dental dam. <laughs> You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Lorian and Spencer. Wow, I am really high. Rock on. Smoke on. We have blunts here. I've never done a blunt. I do one. She's got big boobs, doesn't she? Yeah! I knew it! I know somebody who has great natural tits. She wasn't wearing anything! Oh, man! Oh, my God, yes. Do you know how bad you sound? Oh, man! Most indeed. She is stoned. That was the last copy I slapped. Shout out! Shout out! Well, I've often thought that he maybe is a little autistic. So good. So good, so good. Yes, indeed. A little different with the intro. But it's the same old bowl after bowl on a Tuesday night. Same time, same streams. Still dreaming those dreams? It is February 21st, 2023, a fat Tuesday to you, bowlers. I'm Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And y'all are the bowlers in the bowl. That's right. Welcome back to the bowl. Boost your beads. Boost those beads. (laughs) Tits out for Harambe. That's right. Boobs are always out in the bowl. And uh, yeah, why would tonight be any different? Tonight, beads are just a bonus for all the boobies jiggling around. Yes, happy Fat Tuesday. Yeah. It always sneaks up on me. I'm never ready for it. Les bonton roule. bonton roule. Oh, yeah. That's the only French I know. Nice. That's the only French you really need. Yeah. I like to think that. It would be nice to know how to ask where the bathroom is, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, who, who needs it? Not me, because I'm not going to France. <laughs> yeah, but okay, well, there's that. We went all over the place last week. It feels like a lifetime between this bowl and last. It always does. I, I probably know. say this every bowl. I'm such a stoner. I just say the same shit over and over again. Uh, the significance of the passage of time we were talking about. <laughs> oh, this is a passage of time. There's, there's significance in the passage of time. We should uh, mention Wednesday. What did you do last Wednesday? What did I do last Wednesday? You took the girls downtown. Oh, that's right. We had a big uh, fat party. Uh, The Chiefs Parade. A Super Bowl parade, in fact. Um, Because, wow, that was only last Sunday. Yep. That the Super Bowl was. I guess two Sundays ago. By my calendar. And so last Wednesday, yes, would have been the Chiefs Parade. Holy moly. And uh, that was, you know, that was fun for them. You stayed home with the boys, which was a genius move. Yes, it was. Good work. <laughs> you know, with a stuffy stuff nose over oh here, my God. Sam. I can hear him in, coming into the microphone every once in a while. Uh, he reminds me of that fucking guy on Hey Arnold. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we stayed home. And so John, no, there's no Helga to punch him in the face every five seconds. Runny nose, John. They're all all the kids are good now. Sam's the last one, kind of uh, mucusy, hanging on to some phlegm. Yeah, really good, hanging on. Good God. Well, that'll be fun. Well, how was the parade? The parade was a good time. There was like, you know, we we had one of these. I want to say through what, what was it? Three years back? Four years back? I don't remember. Last time we won the Super Bowl. And uh, that time it was cold as shit. There was snow everywhere. Same uh, crowd plus you, though, as far as like who went. Yes. Because the boys weren't alive. Right. Yeah, it was just the girls. And and the girls were there. Yep, you and I. So they went to this one, too. Uh, They weigh a lot more this time around. <laughs> yeah. And so I had Ray on my shoulders for like the first half, and then I was holding Cena up. Oof. Like in my arms while Ray was on my shoulders. So I was just like holding her so that she was at the level of my head, basically. So she was blocking my view. Oh, nice. It was tremendous. I crushed my, uh, all of my bones in my body. And then around the halfway mark, I switched them, put C on my shoulders and held Ray up. Mm. Uh, it was, it was insane. Uh, did get to touch the Lombardi trophy though. That's epic. Because the dude was running around like a maniac with it. And uh, got up in the upfront part of the audience. That was cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I watched it on the boob tube. That sounds like a comfortable way to experience it, honestly. Yeah, I didn't see you guys. I mean, that was an incredible crowd. The one cool thing is they have these shuttle buses from the zoo, like right next door to my house. So we just like rode those into the city because fuck driving down there and parking oh yeah my sister actually they they had shuttles back so last year we didn't do the return service because my dad just brought us back to the car um because he works near the parade route this year he had to stay a little longer at work so we were just like well we'll just meet you at home he was gonna help us move the couch out of the house because we got a new uh, day bed action going on. Replace that old ratty-ass couch. And uh, so my sister drove us to the, to the shuttle point, And it took us, oh God, nearly an hour just to drive that uh, 1.8 miles. Jeez. To the, uh, to the shuttle service where it picked up. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, your dad beat you to the house. Only by like two minutes. Uh, we should have just stayed with him. I knew that was the case. Like, if it wasn't so damn cold, like it was like when we first embarked, it was okay, but the temperatures were just steadily dropping throughout the day. So by the time that I don't know, by the time parade was over, it was quite chilly. So if if the weather was a little nicer, I would have just dicked around on the streets, you know, just wandered around downtown until he was off, but. Just wasn't an option with with it being that cold. Yeah. It looked windy too. Yeah. Oh well. We did that. That's a that's a check off the list. Yep. Yep. Historical moments. Uh speaking then, of historical moments though, we got kind of invited on a historical journey. That's right. Our boy Steve Sanders, who we've mentioned is a good friend of ours in the KC Bitcoiners group and um uh, few months back he kind of revealed to us that he's one of the key figures in one of our favorite uh my favorite personally documentary yes my favorite documentary also i think you could call it a mockumentary <laughs> really um the 
the the facts presented in King of Kong uh, are like a bit out of order and sweetened to make certain people look really bad and certain people look really wronged and, and et cetera, et cetera, even though uh, that's kind of uh, extra dramatized and played up. But uh, Steve Sanders, man, he's uh, gave us the invite to go up to Fairfield, Iowa to see the debut world premiere of Walter Day's music. Yes, Walter Day, the father of eSports. That's right. He is the guy in the ref shirt that you see um, throughout the throughout the King of Kong documentary. In fact, they paid homage to him in Wreck-It Ralph, the video arcade owner who's in the referee shirt. Yep. Um, is kind of based on Walter Day. And yeah, that was that was a fantastic time. The same guys that produced King of Kong were there filming uh a documentary all about Walter's like transition out of um esports refereeing and into this kind of singer-songwriter journey that he's embarking on. So, fantastic. Maybe maybe we got caught in some B-roll of that. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know either. It was a small room and there were a lot of cameras. Yes, that's true. So, and we had a lot of kids. Who knows? <laughs> Comparatively <we> got to, <laughs> to everyone there, got to meet some legends of arcading, arcade uh, competitive gaming, including uh, Billy Mitchell, the infamous Billy Mitchell, um, who Walter Day always introduces as the most video, the most famous video game player of all time. But I don't know. I I, I feel like Twitch streamers have kind of eclipsed. Mm. That game in in the fame category, yeah. Know? Like I I would think PewDiePie is probably the most famous video game player of all time, even though he doesn't really hold any gaming world records. He just holds all these like streaming records and uh, YouTube followers and and shit like that. It's really weird. It's a weird world, you know. Definitely very niche, very small. But that was a fantastic <laughs> little trip, man. Yeah, it was. I. I packed for everyone, and I did it all in an overnight bag, because it was just a weekend trip. Yeah, we packed light, and we had a great Airbnb in Atumwa, the Red Fern Hotel, they called it, which was a cute name. Yeah, um, Otumwa, of course, is the video game capital of the world. Yeah. I learned that this weekend. Yeah, that was the town where Twin Galaxies was originally formed, and... uh. In the early 80s, there was a Time Magazine photo shoot featuring a lot of the uh, world-class players in all these old arcade games like Donkey Kong and Pac-Man and Tempest, etc. And that was taken right out on Main Street in Ottumwa, Iowa. So we got to see like the spot where that happened and kind of where it all went down. Uh, Twin Galaxies is no longer there, but it was just an arcade and also kind of the headquarters where... Walter Day kept track of all these high scores that would come in around the world. We met him. We met uh, Walter Day, Billy Mitchell. We met Brian Koo, who's also uh, a, a world-class player and has held numerous, uh, dozens of, of world records in various arcade games. Also a guy Also a guy they did probably the dirtiest of all in the, in the documentary. Um, they just present him as an absolute weasel. Yeah. And uh, also, you know, maybe... Maybe he had a humbling moment, too, with the whole documentary and how it went down and how it was released and everything. 
because at the time it came out and when the filming was going on, he was really a contender for the world record and trying to get the live score. And then uh, in the years since, he has gone to Fun Spot and set like 16 world records in a day. Wow. On various uh, <laughs> arcade games. So like he's no slouch at all, but the movie kind of portrays him as a, a wannabe, which he's really not a wannabe, but I don't know. It's it's a fascinating deal. You know, we could get into, I feel like we could do like a whole college dissertation. Oh yeah. Dissecting King of Kong. On the, on the King of Kong docu slash mockumentary. Yeah. What it is, what it means, but. It was cool to meet the producer. It was. It was cool to meet the producer and, and the cast of characters that kind of uh, made it what it is. Yeah. Now I want to talk about our trip up there. The drive was a breeze. No, it was. Did we stop on the way up? We went straight to the Airbnb from here. That's no, right. No stops. You had class, and then we left mm-hmm. at like 2.30. We yeah. got there at like 6.30. Yep. Sounds about right. Easy breezy. Grabbed a bite to eat. Went to the Walter Day thing. The music premiere. And as we were walking in looking for the cafe... We saw Walter Day in his car with a cameraman. Yeah, the Google Maps kind of pointed to the wrong side of the street and one block too far to the west, I want to say. <laughs> so we were kind of looking around like, where the hell is this corner? Uh, where the hell is this uh, Cafe Paradiso? And then we walked by and I saw Walter in the car and I'm like, well, it's got to be close because there's Walter Day. Yes. And then sure enough, we found it. And it's a good thing Steve's son was also with Walter in the car. Um, Steve told us that he, uh, he had his son stick by Walter's side the whole time and said, don't let Walter out of your sight. Keep him here because Walter just doesn't have like a kind of sense of schedule, which I can sympathize with. Yeah. He goes with the flow instead of, uh, you know, being punctual and such. And so they said that, uh, maybe 10 minutes before showtime, uh, Walter was sitting in that car. It might have been right around when we walked by. Yep. Walter's phone rang, and somebody in town who didn't know about the concert asked him, Hey, uh, are you doing anything? We're having a pizza over at my house if you want to come over. And Walter says, Yeah, uh, I'm on my way right now. And Steve's son said, Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> Steve's son said, Walter, no. <laughs> you got to go and do your uh, concert, man, your, uh, your music. Yeah, your performance. You're not going anywhere, dude. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did his songs. We had some cake. And then uh, next day, we all powwowed at this fantastic little diner. Goes by the name of Canteen Lunch in the Alley, which is a bit of a, uh, bit of a mouthful. Yes. But it's uh, it's been in operation since 1930. What was it, six? 1936. 1936, so. It was a bunch of old ladies running the joint. You walk in, it's a horseshoe-style bar with, you know, like the diner seats, bar stools. Yeah, and they pretty much serve milkshakes and loose meat sandwiches. You know, it's like like a high boy burger, basically. If yeah. you've ever had one of those. Your food gets slapped together in seconds, but it is delicious. Yeah, it was tasty. Most canteen burgers are tasty. And, uh... And they love the kids. Everybody loves the kids everywhere we go because... Yeah, the night before they got compliments too because they're so well behaved. Yeah, because they're not running around screaming. They it's, don't have a choice. It's funny. I That's what I always tell people because <clears throat> they're like, how how do your kids... 
your kids are always so well behaved. They're not like jumping off the walls crazy. They just are like so quiet. Like, you know, this thing was two hours. And they're like, how do you get your kids to sit there through a two hour thing? And I said, well, they don't have an option. They don't have another choice. That's their only choice is to sit there and be cool. And the, um, I get told these kinds of things all the time. Uh, one guy says to me, you know, if if my kid was here, I would have had to pull him out and go to a park or something. And I'm always like, you would you would have had to. No, 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 no. The kid is who has to do X or do Y or do Z. Like, if I, you know, we're all going to this thing. This is the, this is the schedule. This is itinerary. So this is the thing we have to do. So they have to. It's not you have to. What is this thing with parents? Like, oh, I have to. No, 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 no. They have to. Yeah. Sit down, shut the twisted. fuck up, and you know, absorb what's going on. And yeah, they might get a little antsy and complain toward the end, and that's when you tell them you gotta, you gotta just sit there for a little while long. It's almost done. Just be cool, and they'll be cool. Yeah, they'll be cool. They loved Walter's music the night before. Yeah, I do want to say he played three songs, and I was so ready to buy an album, but he doesn't have an album completed yet. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, that was probably the most surprising part was he was talking about how, you know, I'm still vocal training. Uh, I don't have my voc- like singing voice really where I want it to be at all. And I don't have the songs polished to where I want them to be either. So he's just kind of got demos right now. Yeah, and the first song he sang was the song he plucked at in King of Kong. That's right. So anyone who's seen that will remember. Hey, 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 hey. Mm-hmm. And the three lies is thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. He's like, one <coughs> lie. I think those are two different too songs. Many. But I'm not 100% sure. Hmm. I'm not either now, but I thought it was the same song. I'm pretty sure they're two songs. But anyway. Yeah, so we had the canteen lunch in the alley, which may have inspired the Roseanne episode. Yeah, that's what they had a plaque on the wall saying. Was yeah. Was that, uh, you know, in, in Roseanne, there was like this... Uh, story arc where they opened up a little diner and it's a horseshoe setup counter and everything it, like it's basically based off that diner um because roseanne and tom arnold were building a mansion right around that area yeah when they got married they were planning to live kind of just southeast of uh i forget the damn town but uh just a little bit southeast of i think it was eldon Atumwa. eldon sounds right and now it's just like a pile of rubble. Yeah, they started constructing this mansion. It was supposed to eventually be this $15 million mansion uh, out in the middle of uh, country-ass Iowa, right on the Des Moines River. And you can still see the uh, partial construction on Google Maps. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's a little bit wild. A little bit wild. So I just learned a lot of random uh, shit while I was up there. We yeah. went to... Uh, the old school pinball and arcade. Yes. In the dying Atumwa Mall, but still hanging on. This is a thing. Like all the malls around here that are like that are gone and have been gone for a decade or more. Well, wait a minute. We do have the Independence Mall. We do. That's true. That's still rocking and rolling and you're, pretty pristine. You're right about that. And it's like full capacity too. There's no like vacancies. Yeah. But this, this mall had a lot of vacancies. And still new cars, though. Like, you go in. Yeah. That's the thing I remember when I was a kid. Like, you would walk through malls, and then, like, as you're walking the halls, 
there'd always be like a couple of new cars just parked in there and it's just some, I don't know, promo either for the car or for a local dealership or maybe both. I don't know. So they did have that. Or maybe it was like a win a car, you know, win a car. Yeah, give us all your information. Exactly. <laughs> I, I never looked closely enough, but it really brought back some memories. And there was a uh, a couple of typical mall stores like Claire's, Claire's. Uh, Bed Bath & Body Works. Which, Overstaffed. By the way, yeah, they had four people in there. And no customers. And no customers. I was like, how <laughs> are they paying all these kids to stand around in an empty mall at Bed Bath & Body Works? I'm just trying to imagine like, if there's ever a flip on the customer to staff ratio in that situation. I don't know. Now, granted, well, no, see, we went in a weekend, too. Yeah, it, it was, was like, Saturday. So, I don't know. They did have a big-ass weight at the barbecue joint in there, so didn't yeah. get to try that. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Didn't have time. Smelled great. We did play a lot of classic arcade. They had, uh, like, eight pinball tables and all kinds of classic arcade games at the... Uh, at the arcade there in the mall, and also this bronze bust of Walter Day. Yeah, I tooted a photo of it before the show tonight. So that was neat. That's how we killed time before going to, uh, you know, you thought that uh, the first thing was a mouthful, but this is absolutely ridiculous what they have the award ceremony named. Yeah, they got to think of a way to shorten it. Uh, in fact, I'm going to pull up your toot because... Uh, That's what I was looking for. It's it's pictured right here. They call it the Walter Day National High School and Collegiate Esports Award Ceremony. <laughs> and it's like, you run out of breath just saying it. Yeah. Uh, this was the second one. So really what they're trying to do, these, these organizations are forming esports teams for high schoolers and they're just now getting into making college teams because a lot of these high school esports guys are graduating and going to various colleges so it's in its infancy as far as like an official sanctioned uh, sport and they're trying to legitimize you know just like having that as an option so you've got football you've got your basketball you've got your overwatch team for your local high school and they said in the past year they've gone from like uh, 54 schools to 96 or something like that. Nice. And it was, it was like your typical, I don't know, I was on the swim team when I was in high school. And this was very much like your typical high school sports award ceremony where like they say 96 different people's names the whole time. And like every time you just, everybody's like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, all right. But... The cool part was they recognized Walter as the father of esports um, and kind of Twin Galaxies establishment as the very first and the original uh, esports sanction. Back when it was not even called esports, it was called uh, competitive gaming. And then at the end, Walter ceremonious, uh, ceremoniously took off his referee shirt and gave it to the esports club to have because he says, you know, I'm walking away from this and I'm getting into I'm I'm a singer-songwriter now, I'm not a referee now. So he like handed his uniform over so that it can be on their permanent display. Yeah. It's like a bit of history going down. Definitely know? history like in the making. He's hanging up uh Walter. He's such a nice guy. 
give you the shirt off his back. Literally, we watched it happen. Yep. And this um, was at Fairfield High School. Fairfield, a very popular transcendental meditation destination. Yes. They have like world influence in two weird sectors, and that's competitive video games and transcendental meditation. There's like a Maharishi uh, university out there. It's yeah. like the first one. Well, I think meditation and gaming kind of go hand in hand. I think so. You got to get in the that. zone. Definitely. Especially with arcade games. Yeah, with like the, the pattern running and different things you need to know. Uh, yes. On the classic arcade. So they also gave Billy Mitchell an award, a recognition for video game player of the 20th century. That's right. I yeah. believe. The gamer, gamer of the 20th century they gave him. Yes. Um, it's also super interesting. Walter makes these trading cards, video game and pinball trading cards. And so uh, he has his own company, the Walter Day Collection, and he prints these little cards and he's got one for just everything. So he handed out these limited edition trading cards when we were at Cafe Paradiso uh, and it had the poster for the event that night. Yes. And it says, Walter Day's Superstars of 2023 trading cards. And then on the back, just like any other trading cards, got like some copy. Um, and yeah, Walter Day at Cafe Paradiso, Fairfield, Iowa, Friday, February 17th, 2023. And uh, he makes these cards. So this is like, I've got 21, 53, and 54 out of, 108, out of 108. And uh, the number 21, Steve pulled out for me. He wanted that one reserved because of the Bitcoin connection and because we met each other in the Casey Bitcoiners Club. So he pulled out number 21, and all of the guys signed it. So it's yeah. signed by uh, Walter and and Steve and also Billy Mitchell and Brian Koo. And uh, there's one other signature. Lonnie. Lonnie, Lonnie who's a... Uh, he's the, from Kansas City. He is, yeah. He's out of Grandview, and he's the best Joust player in the world. You love Joust. I do love Joust. I Joust. first played Joust with you. Joust probably one of my, if not my favorite, classic arcade game. Yeah, it's a great one. Uh, then you ran into Walter after the award ceremony. That's right. I was uh, in the bathroom. <laughs> great place to run into people. Having a quick whiz. And then I turn around, and he's just like standing at the sink. And then he turns to me, and he's like, so are you heading back tonight? Do you have to go back to Kansas City tonight? And I told him we were staying at an Airbnb in Tumwa, and we were leaving the next day. And he said, well, I'd like you to... He said, did you, did you see the plaque? Did you see the plaque? Uh, and he kept referring to like the big bronze plaque. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I thought he was talking about this bust of him that I, that we that was at the arcade in Ottumwa that we had seen. I was like, yeah, we just came from there. And then the look on his face, I could tell. I was like, uh, unless you're talking about something else, maybe maybe I'm talking about the wrong thing. And he was like, no, down on Main Street, where Twin Galaxies used to be, there's now just a commemorative plaque. He said... If you go tomorrow, because it'll need to be during the daylight, go tomorrow and have your family stand in front of that plaque and get a picture of you guys and send it to me, and I'll make you, I'll put you on a trading card. Yeah. So I said, hey, done. Yeah, so there's going to be a wolf pack trading card. Done deal. So we'll, <laughs> we'll be on a Walter Day trading card coming up. That's kind of mind-blowing. And we also, there was like this big group photo at the end of the award ceremony. Oh, yeah. And they're just like insisting, no, everybody, like everybody in this room, get up here, everybody, uh, moms, dads, siblings, 
you there, you there, everybody up here. And so finally, like, we were like, all right, fuck it. You know, we'll get in there too. So everybody's going to be wondering, like, who's this random family in the eSports award uh, photo? But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure my boobs out in the baby's mouth. That's us in the <laughs> corner of the picture. I need to track that picture down. I don't know where where all it's been posted. I think but. she was a local journalist that was taking that photo, like for their small town paper. Yeah, maybe we'll make so. the we'll make the paper. Yeah, making the paper. Front page of the Fairfield Times. Finding the plaque was an adventure in itself. It was. Well, okay, not so much finding it, but then getting the picture taken. Well, yeah, downtown was totally dead, and I figured... There was a coffee shop right next to where Tim- Twin Galaxies used to be. Closed on Sundays. Closed on Sundays, yep. So, no one around. There was one guy that walked by while we were there. Um, and I say guy, he was just seemed like a, a ute... I don't know. He was probably like five or six years younger than us, at yeah. least. Early 20s. And I was like, hey, sir, excuse me, sir. And and he would just like didn't look or acknowledge me. And he was like muttering to himself. And he had a black eye. And he had a black eye. And so eh. we're like, just let him go. I'm like, all right. I don't want to press, you know, too hard. Yeah. <laughs> like hand this guy my phone and uh, all of that. So we just kind of kept, uh, we let him keep walking. And then you notice the planter. Yeah. Because I was trying to balance the phone and take a timed photo balancing the phone on some part of the car. And, you know, cars, new cars are just, like, round everywhere. There's no flat surfaces. There's no real thing I can lean the phone up against. Then I said, hey, can you move this planter? Ended up working perfectly because the planter was low, so it was this nice low-angled shot of all of us. And uh, we got the photo. Yeah, and it looked beautiful. It's going to be a great, going to be a great trading card. Not like the photo that got taken of us with Billy and Walter and Brian the night before where <laughs> your fisheye did me bad. Oh my God. You were on the edge of this fisheye. So you were I kind look of... three times wider than I actually am. <laughs> you were a bit distorted. <laughs> but it's still a great photo with the kids and everyone. They let the kids hold their plaques. That was so cool. Steve is a gamer and a lawyer, not a photographer. But we still love you, Steve. Obviously. That's all. <laughs> That's all. And he no. has a wonderful wife and children. It was, was awesome to meet them. That whole family is wonderful. Yeah. Then there was a kill screen at the Pizza Hut. You almost forgot that part. There was a Pizza Hut kill screen. We closed them down. <laughs> uh, I got to try Billy Mitchell. We got to try Billy Mitchell's hot sauce, his famous yeah. hot sauce out there. Ricky's there, hot sauce. Was tasty as all hell. Yeah. Billy Mitchell almost broke my hand, giving me a handshake. He's got an incredible <laughs> grip, let's say. Yeah. Incredible grip. Um... You always want a mirror match, especially man to man handshakes, first impression. But when you when you get a guy like this who has an over strength kind of like crush your hand almost type handshake, you actually don't want to fully match that because you almost initiate a competition. It's like revving your engine back to somebody who's uh, revving their engine at a red light to you. You know? Yeah. And then they're definitely. gonna they're gonna turn on the sauce. It's like no, you know, just. All right, bro. You you win the grip thing. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna give you the floppy fish no, hand. Oh yeah. I'm gonna give a firm thing for you to grab and squeeze, but I'm not gonna try and match your like grip strength. And uh, my hand was firm, but I, after that, I was like, "Youch!" <laughs> you <laughs> Put really some went of that for it. CBD salve on it. You really went for it. <laughs> and Billy Mitchell gave Rayla a bouncy ball. He did, which is perhaps my favorite moment of the whole weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why he singled her out, but he'd given a great 
speech at the award ceremony, too. Yeah. A lot of fire in his belly. You know, I mean... Yeah, it's Billy Mitchell. If you've seen any thing where he's ever spoken, you kind of know the deal. He's really like that. Yeah, he's a winner. Yeah. <laughs> and so he uh, came up to Ray and was just like, people give me things. I'm not sentimental. I don't really hang on to stuff. So I'd like you to have this. And gave her a bouncy ball. And she has kept track of that bouncy ball. Yeah. She loses all the bouncy balls it's, I win for her, but... It's awesome, too, because it looks like it's covered in lightning. It is. It's it's the perfect... Uh... More Bitcoin references. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Sunday, we got to see your grandpa. That's right. We rounded the trip off, headed to Des Moines before we headed back to Kansas City. See my gramps um, in his assisted living facility and have him meet uh, Sam for the first time. So that yeah. was cool. Wanted to see my grandma, too, but she's in the hospital right now, so we couldn't make that happen, unfortunately. But I have to go back up. Yeah, we won't, since we were up there, we just wanted to swing through, and my uncle and aunt, who were kind of taking turns watching him, kind of rushed us along, and my grandpa, he had gone to church in person for the first time since, I think, since the whole COVID thing, because they've, yeah. they've been going online for a while, and it's just, you know, it's not the same. No. So they went in person, but I guess that, you know, that took a lot of gas out of them, and I just swing through because I don't know if like I don't know if I will see him again. He just went on hospice like a week ago, so thankfully he got to hold his newest great grandson, and it was a great time. It was like a a beautiful moment that I always always cherish. Yeah, he really enjoyed it too. Both of them did. Sam slept oh, like he an was angel, like a perfect little angel. He never acts like that in the bowl. <laughs> I know. What's the deal? Uh, uh what is the deal? What's the deal with that? Yeah, so that was our whirlwind, uh, our whirlwind tour over the weekend, and we finally tried toot toot. We we did do toot toot in Bethany. If you're ever cruising up and down I thirty five for any reason, and you have a chance to stop at toot toot, that is a fantastic buffet they got going on. Yeah, all home cooked deliciousness, real good, and reasonable price too. Cute waitresses too. They're not gonna rape you like they do at Golden Corral for worse food. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, it was, so fucking, it was such a great time. That waitress was flirting with John a little too hard. He got so excited he fell out of his chair. You know, right at the right out of the chair. <laughs> and then she kept apologizing all over herself. And we're like, no, nah, no, nah, that's all right. It's okay. Our son is just an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he just loves chicken wings. Yeah. And cute waitresses. Uh, well, you know what yesterday was? Yesterday President's was... President's Day? Besides President's Day. Yesterday was Live Item's first birthday. Oh! <gasps> That's right. That's right. This is a new live son of a bitch. So happy the, birthday, live item tag. Happy birthday to the live item tag. Uh, a year ago yesterday, we had a Bulls with Buds with Dave Jones right after No Agenda. And we threw the live item tag into a, uh, production mode. We got it rolling and rocking with the help of uh, some friends in the background, including um, huge thanks to, to No Debit who was really helping us behind the scenes. And at the time, we were still streaming on his IceCast server. So uh, he had to kind of give us a last-minute HTTPS cert to make this whole thing work on the apps. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Bell was in the background making sure that it worked in CurioCaster. And uh, we just went with it and rolled with it. And it worked. Everything like worked out. And we've been doing it ever since. 
and uh, everybody jumped on. I think that uh, behind the schemes and rare encounter both hopped on like right away in that same week, and uh, we just we just threw it into implementation right away. So I'm really excited about this Sunday because we're having Dave back on Woo-hoo! for another Bulls with Buds live after no agenda, just in the same sort of <laughs> manner, same sort of fashion. And we're going to kind of discuss what has happened in the past year with Live Item and where it's gone and what everything's gone through. And Maybe we'll even talk about weed. Yes, we'll, <laughs> we'll entertain. In fact, uh, holy Moses. Uh, in fact, we will have any of the questions that you want to ask them. The voicemail line will be open, of course. Uh, 816-607-3663. If you have uh, a question in particular for Dave... We will play it for him and make him answer it on the spot. And uh, it'll just be a celebration of the live tag in the first year and uh, what still needs to be done, because there's a lot of work to be done. You know, uh, it's still very much in its infancy, uh, not really as wide of adoption uh, as we know is coming eventually. So um, that'll be fun. And it'll give me another excuse to play the Alex Jones drops. We are the first! It's not about the credit. It's about, I'm spitting this information out at you fast because there's a lot of it. And it's life-saving. Just trying to save your life, man. <laughs> yeah. Life-saving. Life-saving, live-saving. Live item tag. So I'm very excited about that coming up. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. That ah. is a lot. It's a lot to pack in. But uh, I always want to thank people up front, too. Yeah, the bowlers making the live item tag... Work all the way. That's right. With their boosts. I've probably heard throughout the program, the bowling balls rolling down the lane, smashing into some pins, making some strikes. And those are the sounds of boostograms slapping my node live uh, as we're talking. Real-time feedback, real-time value for value being returned. And so we always want to roll back and thank people. Uh, Usually I start with the PayPals, and of course that would require... Pulling that up. That's the one thing that I didn't prepare for uh, firsthand. But luckily, everything is pretty easily accessible here so that we can take a look. Here at the War Station. Gotta, you got to see the War Station through. There's a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Uh, and I also, I also have to check the date to see like what exactly was a week ago, and that would be the 14th, which means uh, that we first must thank Circus Media... Yeah, thank you, Circus Media. Whose uh, monthly stonation of eleven eleven hit on the 15th, so Woo. day after the last bowl. Uh, we really appreciate that monthly contribution that he sets up, uh, eleven eleven. Another monthly stonation, 420 from Sharky Shark. Yeah, Sharky, thank you. So thank you, Sharky. Uh, and then I also have, just came in, in fact, moments ago, less than an hour ago, uh, we got a payment from the one and only Sir Candanavian. All right. Thank you, Sir Candanavian. Yes. Thank you very much. And we had a little note. Uh, where was it here? Oh, yes. The note is, we love you. And the donation is 3333. Oh, thank you. And yes, thank you very much. We very much appreciate that. All of that helps, by the way, to pay the monthly bills that are also set to that same account. It's fantastic. So the IceCast server and the web servers and all the stuff that we need to run the show and uh, bring it to you week after week, bowl after bowl. 
Uh, so we appreciate uh, you indicating the value that you receive each week from the show. So it's, uh, it's quite humbling, really, if I'm, if I'm totally honest about it. Uh, you better be honest. I'm always honest. <laughs> I always tell the truth, even when I lie. Uh, over to the Boostagrams, I use Helipad, a lovely tool by Dave Jones that gives you a little web view of the Boostagrams you've received, and it turns that TLV record into a readable little stream of boosts, including where it came from, who sent it, how much it was, how long ago it was, all these important little data points that are all buried in that TLV record for the transaction. And I always start off with this 1420 sats from Harv Hat at a boost CLI because he hits us every time in the outro with it, like clockwork. And we appreciate that very much. Uh, I'm getting a lot of boosts now from uh, Music Side Project, which is nice. a new project out from Stephen Bell. Uh, and I'm trying to help him. I'm just trying to contribute anything because I've been so frustratingly on the sidelines uh, of this thing, even though I haven't been. I've also have been. Uh, so I'm trying to contribute something to the UI, uh, over this week and maybe the weeks to come, but there are boosts coming in from music side project to stay a while. I've got a big string of, uh, hundred sat boosts with no notes, uh, no senders. So a lot of testing I think going on, but we really appreciate that. Two days ago out of fountain, we got hit with a 3333, uh, from our gal Dame Trail Chicken. Oh, bok bok. Thank she you. She sends in a love boost. Love boost. And you can love tell it. it's a love boost because it's surrounded by heart and lightning emojis. Nice. We very much appreciate that. We got a test, test toke from our man C-Dubs, 420 sets. C-Dubs coming through. Token it up uh, via the podcast index is how he boosted. Uh, just a few hours ago from Hey Citizen, we got... Uh, 16,969 sats uh, out of Podverse. Woo! And he says, message optional. And damn it, I meant to play this uh, little snippet that he sent me to lead into these uh, boosts, these boost notes. So I'm going to have to try to train myself to make this part of the uh, transition rolling into... Actually thanking people for the boosts. Here it is. I'm going to boost some stats. I've got 40,000 in my wallet. I'm, I'm, I'm boosting value contribution. This is fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, Citizen is fucking awesome. He just keeps cranking it in, man. And then, by the way, uh, it shouldn't be lost on people. This is part of the whole thing that makes value for value killer. It's not just like... Uh, begging for money and strictly about money and oh money 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 everybody talks about oh is it enough money what money are you getting money is it money is it all money are you reading seven cent are you reading seven cent donations <laughs> you know ignorant shit like this value for value it's impossible it's impossible in the full aggregate to really put a number on what we've received because of things like this because of things like hey citizen uh, sending in these musical compositions he puts together that are just direct content for and about the show. Uh, the voicemails that I sometimes clip little uh, plugs off of, such as... Smoke in a bowl, sir. Or... Rock on. Smoke on. Mwah. And even uh, folks like Fletcher, who send me uh, ISOs they record themselves. Spark one up. I mean, all of this stuff is... 
it's hard to quantify. You have, I mean, like, how do you write that down as a number? What would that have cost me if I went out and tried to like hire a professional voice actor to put together some of this stuff? Oh, cripes. You know? So this is all part of the value. And that's why we want to thank people and use that stuff and, and talk about it every single show because we, we're trying to, it's not only that we're doing it, we're also trying to be an example and teach other people how to do it as well and why it works and how it works. Um, so we really appreciate you. Uh, hey, citizen. Another guy we really appreciate coming in with 8888 sats. That's in a millennial out of fountain. Oh, uh, nom. Thank you. And, uh, he says, happy Fat Titty Tuesday. Yes, so. happy Fat Titty Tuesday. She's got big boobs, doesn't she? Yes! I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> God, I love that episode of King of the Hill. Holy shit. Uh, next up, 1821 sats. That's from our man Pfeiffer. And you know that 1821 is a... Uh, Thank you, Pfeiffer. Uh, Missouri Smash Boost there. 1821 being the founding year of Missouri statehood. Uh, he says, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Indeed. You're in the right spot for that. 4269 sats and then comes in from Harv Hat. He always boosts us when we go live with the live item tag or uh, if I forget and he hears that last song warning, he usually comes in and slaps a boost in when we're about to do the show, which reminds me, oh shit, I need to light that live item up. So I appreciate that, Harfat. Uh, for more than one reason. Uh, 3333 coming in from Bully Steed next out of Fountain. We know who has Bully Steed here. She's Bully Steed in the bowl. Very Bully. And uh, she says, following Harv Hat tradition. Beautiful. And indeed, she came in one minute after Harv Hat with that one. Nice. Uh, next up was the Rev. Uh, you know him as Sir Reverend Cybertrucker, and he came in with... 69! 69, dude! 69, 69 out of Fountain, and he says, Steve Reich. Knocking them pins all down. We appreciate you. Uh, 33, 3, 33. Yes, that's right. Five threes. Woo! Coming in from Lavish out of Fountain. Uh, and he said, get lit. You know <laughs> that uh, the bowl is the perfect place to get lit. This is a new live son of a bitch. Uh, another one from Bowley Steed. Another 69-69. Again, out of Fountain, she says, Fat Tuesday boost. Boost them Tuesday titties out. I love it. I love it. 7777 up next from Lavish. Out of Fountain again, and he says, Fat Tuesday. Uh, P-H-A-T on the fat. By the way, all fats so far have been P-H-A-T, uh, except for Bowley Steeds. I want to get the spelling because, you know, it's like uh, it's part of the experience, I suppose. Uh, you'd know that, by the way, if you were in the bowl in our live IRC chat, these things are being relayed in real time. The boost after boost bot, uh, thanks to some programming work from C Dubs and the gang, uh, all of those chats, all of those boosts are relayed into the chat. And yes, Fat Tuesday, T W O S D A Y. So some clever little letter wordplay here from the bowlers. Again, that was Lavish out of Fountain. So thank you, Lavish. Uh, Lavish, of course, he knows. He knows somebody with. Uh, I know somebody who has great natural tits. He does. Me too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Four twenty sats next up from Eastside Tony. Shout out Eastside Tony. Oh, thank you. Uh, he's coming out of Podverse, and he says bongs. <laughs> bongs indeed. Bongs for real. 
Uh, and then Mary Kate Ultra comes in right after that with 8008 sets. That's a boob. Boob. Uh, I'm just a nigga that love titties. Love the boob uh, donations. And uh, Mary Kate Ultra out of Fountain, by the way, she says bowls. Bowls. Bowls and boobs. She Thank you, Mary Kate Ultra. Smoking a bowl, sir. Next up, uh, oh, you know what? Another funny one is. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. No, that's like the most genius place ever to keep bowls is in the helipad uh, history right there. 100 sats from Eastside Tony again. He says, shout out to Casey Bitcoiners. What's up, Casey Bitcoiners? Where you at? Where you at? He's coming out of Podverse. Uh, 66.66 sats next up from Bowley Steed. Uh, and she says, shit stain, the marrow of the bowl. <laughs> I love that. Fantastic. Yes, we have a, uh, a decent shit stain coming up right after this. So we appreciate that. Out of fountain, by the way, if I didn't say that. Uh, series of 100 sat boosts from Eastside Tony. Uh, out of Podverse, all three of them, and I shall read them. Partial construction equals that's depression. Yes, indeed. Uh, he's referring, of course, to the mansion that uh, Tom Arnold and Roseanne were building. Partial construction. Uh, also, he says, in the bathroom, that's where all the dicks hang out. hey Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Yeah, those are the facts. Uh, and then uh, the third one, he says, uh, the camera adds 3x wide. Yeah, this one added like 6x, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that... I look terrible. Uh, you are very, very con- self-conscious about it, no doubt. That's all right. I still love the picture. Uh, finally, you just heard those uh, pins crash, and we had 2,000 sats come in from Booper of Noses. Ah, oh, Boop. Booper of Noses out of Fountain, and that, uh, he says, for my new son. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Congratulations. We do have a... Uh, Baby bowlers. Little, uh, I have that. We need babies. There we go. Definitely. We need babies. So thank you. Thank you for your babies, Booper of Noses. And thank you for all the boost bowlers. We really appreciate that. And uh, if you want to boost us, all you got to do is take off all your clothes and go to nudepodcastapps.com. Also, new development here. You can just plain old go to podcastapps.com nowadays. Whoa. Brand new URL pointing to it. So podcastapps.com. Simple uh, as. You know, whatever your level of clothing and uh, however nude your URL is, you can look for an app that uh, supports the value tag. You can click that value filter at the top, and that shows you all the apps that you can listen to the podcast and uh, send boostograms in. So fantastic. There's a plethora of options. Uh, I would say the three that I use most often would be Curiocaster, uh, Podverse and Fountain. But uh, all of them are going to give you somewhat of a different experience. All of them are going to give you uh, different features. Some support live, like Curiocaster and Podverse, for instance, uh, which is why I really appreciate those if you listen to the live show and the live experience. Um, but they all will uh, facilitate your boostograms and thus uh, give me things to say during this segment. Uh, we do thank everybody, and uh, there are, of course, other ways to give value as well. Yeah, the simplest way is to just pass the bowl to someone you think might enjoy it. Pretty easy. Yeah, not everyone's going to enjoy the bowl, but you've got cool people out there you know. Pass them the bowl. That's right. Use your discretion. That's right. 
We also have a voicemail line, and every week we present a first-time-I-ever topic. This week, we want to hear about the first time you ever fermented something. So all you've got to do is pick up your phone and... Call 816-607-3663 and the play of That's right. We'll play it. We won't screen it. Anything goes. Yeah. It's your adventure. You can also text if you're voice shy or in a dead zone. Or if you're having a a really great time at Mardi Gras earning your beads, you can even send a photo. Oh, please. Send your photos. This is a great uh, Titty Tuesday tradition um, that we observe. That's right. And... um, yeah, that pretty much wraps up the donor segment. We thank uh, everybody profusely for keeping us going bowl after bowl. Thank you, bitch. And uh, we always like to roll on to a little segment that uh, we have dubbed. Gotta build a node. Gotta build a node. Are you podcasting? Are you creating content? Maybe you're a musician. And you want to release an album, but you don't want to sign some kind of record deal uh, and, you know, sign a lot of your power and rights away to a bunch of middlemen who take a bunch of fees. You just want your own payment processor and essentially your own bank account all running on your own computer in your own home. You own it all. And then you can make your own deals and you can fraternize with who you want and set your own fees via the RSS feed of your choice. And uh, grab back your sovereignty and your freedom. That's what we did here at Bull After Bull. That's what April Kirby and I did with Abel and the Wolf. That's what we we're trying to do with all of these different projects that we we're releasing digital content on. Uh, just giving us some freedom and some sovereignty. Now, there are a lot of other options if you don't want to run your own node. You could run on someone else's node. And there are services such as satoshis.stream if you just want to dip your toe in and get started and experiment. Uh, there are things like Fountain helps you uh, set up a wallet and claim your podcast uh, if you so choose to go that route. But just remember that all of those routes involve um, a bit of trust in third parties and also a little bit of a fee. And if you want to go fee-less and trustless, well, running your own node is the way to go. And... Hell, I, I just like everybody playing along, so I you know I don't look down. Of course not. Do not look down on anybody who chooses to use a third-party service like that, because the more playing in this game, the merrier. And uh, you know we all help each other. Uh, the rising tide lifts all ships, as they say. Uh, but the only thing that I truly evangelize nowadays in Bitcoin at all, the only advice I give is for people to run a node. And is it daunting at first? Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing at all when I first started out uh, over two years ago when I got a voltage node spun up. And that's kind of a rent a node, if you will. You can uh, still have full self custody of a node, but basically it runs on voltage's equipment on their servers. So it's a bit of a cloud node. with a monthly fee involved, but I bought like a one-year subscription 
just to learn the ropes and get started. And uh, I figured, you know, the moment that we heard about podcasting 2.0 and the implementations and the, and the, the implications long term, we were like, we have to get in right now and stay in forever. Like we were just all in the moment that we saw uh, that we first heard the vision laid out by Adam and Dave on podcasting 2.0. We've just been all in ever since. And boy, let me tell you, for people who complain about the difficulty of getting in and setting up, uh, just be glad you weren't doing it two years ago, man, because it was a hundred times more difficult and a thousand times more confusing. Yeah, Sphinx. Sphinx was the only <laughs> thing that you could boost in and stream in. There were no such thing as boostograms back then. Um, and man, just to look back at the journey and see how far we've come and how many apps there are now and how many different experiences there are and really how freaking easy it is comparatively, like all of the devs that have come together and have been working on the different projects that make up this whole world of podcasting 2.0, it's fucking incredible. And it's just going to keep on blooming and growing and expanding out from here. So, um, so I don't want to hear how hard it is. All I want to hear is your questions of uh, what should I do next? Here's what I tried. And I'm always happy to help anybody coming in uh, and running with the scissors because that's how we do things around here. Uh, update on the mempool. I was looking a little bit before the show. It's slightly calmer. Slightly calmer. You know, I've been bitching about the mempool being flooded by uh, what seems to be all of these different ordinals transactions where people are essentially making NFTs on the blockchain and passing through some arbitrary data with their transactions. Um, it's hard to really tell if all of the mempool flooding is solely related to that. Although we are seeing these huge transactions. Uh, and if you go on mempool.space and just click in any block, these big squares, um, if you look at a pending block, the size of the square will represent literally the virtual size of each transaction. And there's just more enormous squares now than there used to be um, in recent in recent history. And so a lot of those are uh, ordinals transactions. But it seems like, you know, right now we're 20 blocks deep. I think last time, last week when we were talking on the shit stain, it was more like 90. 90 blocks waiting to be confirmed. Um, so that's calming down. And why it's calming down, I'm not sure if that has to do with the pickup and hash rate that's been going on. Uh, climbing again, we are experiencing pretty much every day a new all-time high in hash. Uh, as I checked before the show, it was around 348 exahash per second in the, uh, in the Bitcoin network. So what the hell does that mean? Well, one hash is basically like one guess at the magical mystery number that will solve the next Bitcoin block and mine the next block. And all of these nodes, all of these computers, all of these miners, uh, specifically uh, nodes that are miners that are hooked up to the Bitcoin network, they're all trying to guess at the number that will solve the next block. And... Uh, if you're talking about the network has 348 exahashes a second, that means there's 348 quintillion guesses every second. Holy mackerel. Uh, and that's all across the world on the Bitcoin network. So that's a hell of a lot of computing power, and it keeps on going up, keeps on going up. 
Uh, meanwhile, the hash price, that means the amount of Bitcoin that you are awarded per guess on average. You know, you take all of the hashes and you divide them by the Bitcoin reward that is given to you. Uh, that's going down and down. So the more miners that turn on, the less Bitcoin there is to go around per miner when they solve a block. Because this is all, you know, divided equally among the... If, if, if you're in a pool, if you're in a pool, which uh, typically that's how you run um, any miner, if you have any sense at all, uh, you pool all those hash resources together, and then if any miner in the pool solves the block, all of the participants... Uh, get a piece of that Bitcoin reward based upon how much hash power they contribute to that pool. Uh, as more miners come on, obviously that gets divided in a lot more ways, and so each hash is worth less and less as more hashes come on. So uh, all of that to say that the pickup in hash power seems to have been solving blocks a little bit more quickly than the average uh, 10 minutes, which is the goal. So Bitcoin's whole goal is to solve one block on average every 10 minutes. And the software has a built-in mechanism to keep that schedule. Every roughly two weeks, uh, there is a difficulty adjustment. And so if blocks are getting solved too quickly, uh, then the ability for the computer to solve, to find that random number, uh, the difficulty of that is increased. Right now, the estimate for the difficulty adjustment, uh, which is on schedule to happen in around three days or in 422 blocks, uh, it's estimated to be an upward adjustment of 12%, 12.22% as of right meow, according to mempool, dot space. So uh, what does that mean? That means it's going to be 12.22% more difficult to find that uh, magic random number solves the block and gives everybody the reward so this comes back i'm bringing it back around i promise to the original thought of why is the mem uh the mempool seemingly cleared out uh, it may be in part because of the higher hash rate and uh, because blocks are being solved on average faster than 10 minutes right now and over the past couple weeks so maybe on a 10 minute schedule we would have you know, 30 or 40 blocks waiting to be solved. Uh, and we'll see what happens after this difficulty adjustment. Things may uh, go back to that, uh, be adjusted to go closer to that 10-minute schedule. And who knows, we may be still flooded in the mempool. But as of right now, you can kind of get a reasonable transaction through. It looks like some three sats uh, per virtual byte transactions have been going pretty regularly in the past hour or two. Uh, not down to one quite yet, although maybe overnight we can get some ones through. Definitely saw some over the weekend, some, uh, one sat per virtual byte. Makes it a pain in the ass to do a couple of things when it comes to running a node. First of all, uh, the layer one transactions matter when we're opening channels. That is a layer one transaction to open a lightning channel on a lightning node. And we need these channels to be open in order to send and receive lightning payments. And um, as podcasters, we want to be able to receive those lightning payments for all these boostograms that we're reading, these lovely, awesome boostograms. So that means we need inbound liquidity. That means we need channels to be open. And uh, 
it's a little bit tougher to do that in high fee environments. What also is a real pain in the ass is any kind of force closure. Uh, and if you listen to podcasting 2.0, you may have heard recently uh, Adam talking about the many force closed channels they had <clears throat> on their own node recently. And in a high fee environment, a force close is going to prioritize that transaction, meaning it will take a look at what the current uh, fee structure is, and it will assign a very high priority fee to the channel closing. So in a high uh, high fee environment, these force closures become incredibly expensive. So all to come back to, I, re I really am I'm just miffed and I want to discourage all of this arbitrary data on the blockchain because this is the kind of thing it leads to. It makes nodes more difficult to operate, uh, especially when you're talking about liquidity management and opening channels. But we will persevere through it and I'm working on uh, a latest ring of fire. It's been a while since we did a ring of fire. So I'm looking at a 2 million sat ring of fire. What does this mean? If you run a lightning node, you're going to need some liquidity. You're going to be able, uh, you're going to need to have those channels open, like I just said. So a ring of fire is a way to collaboratively open channels with several people in a ring and then balance them all at once. If we have balanced channels, that means that we can send and receive an equal amount of sats through these channels uh so sir bimrose um reached out to me uh saying hey i want to do your next ring of fire if you got one going uh and i did a little post on the podcast index dot social uh and so Stephen crater and booberry also have expressed interest we have a couple of slots open still if you would like to participate in a ring of fire all you need are uh, a lightning node and um Probably two point. I would say two point one million sats would be a safe amount to have on chain in your on chain Bitcoin wallet on your Lightning node. If you have those two requirements met, then uh, let me know, and we can add you to this ring. We've got uh, two seats open, maybe one, because um, Lorian, we can throw your node in as well if you're down to play. Oh, I am. Um, but if we get a couple, then uh, we'll do it that way. Yeah. That's By all that. means. So anyway, 2 million uh, sat ring of fire if you're interested in getting some liquidity or if you need some liquidity, if you need to be able to send and receive on your Lightning node, hit me up. We'll get you balanced and well-connected. Uh, over to a couple. Of, I only have a couple of stories that I want to talk about. I want to kind of keep it brief. The first thing, uh, right after the last bowl, <clears throat> February 15th, uh, Strike announced that they're launching the uh, sending API. So businesses can easily use the Lightning Network for payments, and this means that uh, businesses and developers can use the Strike API to send not only Lightning, but U.S. dollars over the Lightning Network. So Lightning just acting as the rails to move U.S. dollars Whoa. Uh, from one place to another over Strike's back end. Cheaper, faster, global, superior payment experiences on the world's open monetary network. So Strike continuing to make moves and... Uh, innovations in how we transfer money around the world and uh i think it's pretty promising pretty promising uh extra extra money moving back and forth on the lightning network and by the way it's especially in my opinion important to have uh lightning being built upon when the mempool is experiencing these kind of higher fee environments it's great to be able to just send and receive Bitcoin over Lightning, 
so that you don't have to worry about these fees. You don't have to worry about the on-chain fees and waiting for the next block and all of that. You can just instantly settle the transaction uh, over Lightning. Great shit. And the other story that caught my eye, Wisconsin, or excuse me, Wyoming, the other W, the other, the other W state. Uh, Wyoming passed a bill, <clears throat> pardon me, Wyoming passed a bill that uh, all of the headlines are saying protects its citizens from having to, to disclose private keys, okay? Uh, if you pull up the text of the bill itself, uh, there's this section one, uh, Wyoming statute 34.29.107 is created to read 34-29-107 production of private keys prohibition. No person shall be compelled to produce a private key or make a private key known to any other person in any civil, criminal, administrative, legislative, or other proceeding in this state that relates to a digital asset, digital identity, or other interest or right to which the private key provides access. Uh, so that part's good. It basically says that you can't make someone produce their private keys, uh, and it says relating to a digital asset, digital identity, or other interests. So that would include not just Bitcoin, but any crypto. That would include not just crypto, but say your Nostra private key, right? Digital identity. Uh, but there are exceptions written into this bill. Uh-oh. Unless a public key is unavailable or unable to disclose the requisite information with respect to the digital asset, digital identity, or other interest or right. So the exception says, basically, if the public key either isn't around or we can't use the public key to disclose the information we need, then you might have to produce your private key anyway. Mm. And so I'm, I don't understand the big circle jerk uh, jumping up and down about... You know, this is being billed. Every every headline reads that uh, the bill protects its citizens from having to disclose private keys. And when I read this, I'm saying I'm seeing well, not necessarily. There's a, a a big broad exception that who knows might be widely applied. Yeah, it seems like no one's reading the bill. Uh, section B says this section shall not be interpreted to prohibit any lawful proceeding that compels a person to produce, sell, transfer, convey, or disclose a digital asset, digital identity, or other interest or right to which a private key provides access, or to disclose information about that digital asset, digital identity, or other interest or right, provided that the person is not required to produce or disclose the private key except as otherwise required by subsection A of this, sub, you know, fucking, ugh. Yeah, it seems like no one reads these bills all the way through. But when you go to read them, you can see why no one sits down to read them. Right. No, all of this legal, all of this legalese is, is uh, you know, basically Section B says that Section A says something, you know? Yep. Um, it's just so much mumbo jumbo, but uh, I, I would caution people to celebrate this. I don't really see that uh, there's a lot of protection in there. Basically, it says... Uh, no person shall be compelled to produce a private key unless you have to, in which case you do have to. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm reading out of this. Great. So it seems unhelpful. Uh, a lot of people are cheerleading Bitcoin legislation. I could, I mean, I think that this will come to a shock to none of the bowlers when I say, like, I don't trust any legislation at all. I think it's all just fucking uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. And uh, not the good kind of wolf either. That's right. Anyway, uh, that is your cocaine for this week. All right. On to the 
Top three, 33. I don't have a jingle. <laughs> Surely a jingle is forthcoming. Perhaps, perhaps. I'm not a fortune teller. But I did see this week that the Russian Olympic Games ban was backed by New Zealand and 33 other nations. How about that? So 34 nations in total, but they split it up. Pulled New Zealand out to give it the cred, and then wrote 33 other nations. I love that. See, if it would have been 35, they would have said uh, New Zealand, Australia, and 33. <laughs> yeah, I think so. They need that number, that big red flag to be waved. I guess the International Olympic Committee is promoting neutrality for players from Russia, and their suggestion was, oh, they just won't wear any symbols of their countries, which seems dumb for the Olympics. Don't represent your country. Yeah, isn't that like the whole point? All these countries coming together to compete. Uh, so that was their suggestion. New Zealand and these 33 other countries said, no, no neutrality. We don't want any Russians there at all, whatsoever. And this statement from them came after a summit in London where Zelensky spoke to everyone and promoted that idea himself, that the Russians should be completely banned from competing in the Olympics. So they don't even want to have the Russian Olympic Committee, the ROC uh, thing. They just want to have nobody at all from Russia. That's correct. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah, because it's not the citizens that you know promote war or lead war, whatever's going on. You know, that's all government crap. And then to punish the citizens, the people of a country for what their leaders are doing, that's gross to me. And uh, I don't know. What can you do? We'll see. It's They have to get it squared away soon, though. I know there's a, an International Olympic Committee meeting at the end of March, so I'm sure this will be a topic they have to discuss. But I'm pretty sure qualifiers for the 2024 Olympics are going to start happening here pretty soon. So they're going to need to know what's going on, who's allowed to come or not. It's just, uh, they only single out Russia. I mean, there's so many other countries that you could point the finger at that do dirty shit. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, China, <laughs> yeah, uh, United States. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all, there's a bunch uh, of warmongers out there. Plenty of warmongers doing war crime things. Um, but Russia is like the only one. And uh, I, I guess even it's not so much the warmonger thing as the big doping scandals that uh, keep coming back and back. But, oh, sure. But uh, I think that the Ukraine thing now, they're like shifting focus once again. But Definitely. I don't know. It just seems like it's the only bad country on on the planet. I I, I, I remain skeptical. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's it makes me feel bad for the people of Russia and the athletes especially. Right. You know, people who dedicate their lives to athletics, and then they just get told, well, your country bad, you're not allowed. Yeah, well, they're bad because they were, you know, born in Russia. God forbid. Therefore, bad. And, and, I, and you know, if you are allowed, you can't wear any symbology or play your country's anthem if you win. You know, that's not right. Yeah. Whatever. I don't like it. Me neither. I also don't like this next story where the magic number showed up. Over 33 million kids vaccinated against wild polio virus in southern Africa, according to the World Health Organization. 
Now, they claim that the wild poliovirus strain going around originated in Pakistan and that this outbreak started last year, in 2022. But there's been a whopping total of nine cases reported so far. Whoa. Nine. That's it. And they have gone through 19 rounds of vaccination, and they have five more planned in these five southern africa countries that's crazy so there's there's been more shots than there's been cases yes yes and 33 million kids kids stabbed (laughs) so um the who tried to declare this an international health emergency on january 25th but i haven't really been hearing about this my wild polio virus every now and again i hear boomer talking about polio virus but not this one. Not like, oh, it's going around. You know, nine kids in Africa. <laughs> right. Nine kids. Might be paralyzed because they got this shit. So you better get jabbed 19 times. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, Here's one. Football club Barcelona made 33 payments to guarantee refereeing decisions weren't made against them. Oh, God. Yep, they were paying the Technical Committee of Referees' former vice president over $1.8 million from 2016 to 2018. So those invoices all got submitted to the Spanish tax agency. Incredible. And they were listed as... Preparation and sending of technical videos to the club or technical video advice. And I guess things just didn't quite add up, so an investigation started and it's continuing. The payments also, it's worth noting, ended when that vice president left. Which just adds to the suspicion there. One dirty man. So, I have a little bonus magic number story for you. Ooh, I love a bonus. Coming from Panama, where a migrant bus crash claimed the lives of at least 33 people. Now, they say this bus was headed for the United States with Uh 66 occupants, including the driver. Half of them died when the bus missed the entrance of a shelter, collided with another vehicle, and went off a cliff. Holy shit. Yeah, that's intense. This article went on to say that the number of irregular migrants in Panama headed to the United States doubled in 2022 to 248,000. <laughs> and more than half of them are from Venezuela. So, interesting times. Interessante. Yeah, I saw the picture of the crash and was kind of suspicious about it when I saw it. Went off a cliff and then dug for more details and they could they claim collided with another vehicle. I don't know, just uh, car accidents, man. They're always bad. Always bad, easily set up. Let's go behind the curtain. I thought you'd never (laughs) ask. Yeah, finally. Biden signed an executive order this week. Uh Uh-oh. It was entitled the Executive Order on Further Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities Through the Federal Government. And it caught my eye because in there, he touted his administration's, uh, the way that they have corrected the country's failed approach to marijuana. Their quote, not mine. Totally expunged. (laughs) Not. The dusty man in the White House often says that he, uh, has fully expunged simple possession cases, and that is a lie. Just for all the fact checkers out there. Right. It's just a little pardon. You get, like, a rubber stamp over your... (laughs) 
criminal record that says, well, you know, the president pardoned me. But you still have to explain yourself when, you know, seeking employment or housing or whatever. So I was going to just ignore this executive order, but then, of course, I had to read the whole thing Uh, once the weed word caught my eye. And this isn't crazy. This executive order creates these agency equity teams within all the offices, starting with secretary or administrator. And there's a bunch of them. And they want these equity teams to, you know, they have to write an annual paper on how equity is being established and what their budget looks like and how much more money they need to ensure that they have sufficient resources to promote equity and whatever. And that's due September of every year, including this one. It's called an equity action plan. They also have to provide equity training and leadership development to all of these offices and such. Uh, And then it creates a White House Steering Committee on Equity, which will be chaired to the Assistant to the President for Domestic Policy, who happens to be Susan Rice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I don't know. Looks like a mess to me. Things like this. It just makes me blink and stare off into walls. And remember when I worked in a cubicle for a very (laughs) short period of time? Thank God. The gods and goddesses out there because mercifully short. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that hell was on earth until I sat in a cubicle. But anyway, uh, it's like, do these folks really need another thing to do? They must, man. They're just hurting for work. Yeah, they just sit around getting paid with our tax money, staring at walls, creating equity teams so that they can make a PowerPoint on how to be, you know, equitable and all the systems that are rigged against everyone that's every color except for white it's a rough uh it's a rough take out there man yeah so speaking of hell on earth actually speaking of hell on earth uh i wanted to mention that a boostergram did come in oh uh from our friend boo fury oh uh who points out a little hell on earth for us uh, he, he only he only becomes boo fury when he's really pissed he did send uh 30,000 sats through Boo CLI, and he says, I was reminded just tonight that the noob tube cuts their pile, or excuse me, cuts their pie of super chat at 30 fucking percent. Jeebus. Okay, what the fuck are we doing on this show? Jeebus. Yeah, 30%. So, uh, yeah, do your YouTube uh, super chat monetization and give 30% to Google. Yeah, fuck that. Or build a node. <laughs> I like that option a lot better. That's all. Man, I feel like it takes a lot to make the Mothman mad, but that'll do it. Fees, yeah, fees will do it. A third, a third of what people are trying to give you for your value, yeah, that's not right. Yeah, someone ought to do something about it. It's called value for value, freedom, or as the uh, vice president would say, freedom. Nice. Yeah. Also nice. There was a federal study that came out this week from the CDC. And the only thing I'll say about it is that it continues to show a downward trend of pot use amongst high schoolers, which, you know, prohibitionists were real worried that with legalization, high schoolers would just be walking into dispensaries and getting what they want and walking out. Yeah. Turns out we were right the whole time where, you know, a um, the prohibition market and the black market actually makes it easier for underage kids to obtain weed. Crazy, isn't it? It is pretty well. Oh, oh, 
This... And, uh, you know, the kids obtaining weed, that's, like, gonna end the fucking world overnight, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. The kids smokes a little pot. Uh, you know, I, I found it when I was a kid. Yeah. Look at me now. <laughs> You're naked. Hi, Mom. Oh. oh, my goodness. Oh, God, where's his clothes? Oh, Jesus. And he's got four kids. Ah. <laughs> he's out of control. Yeah. He's a wolf. Um, This next story is... A saga we've talked about before in the bowl multiple times. It's kind of broken into three chapters. So I will refresh everyone's memory. Um, it started with a doctor, a palliative care doctor, who's also the co-director of Advanced Integrative Medical Science Institute. The Advanced Integrative Medical Science Institute, or AIMS for short. His name is... Sunil Agarwal, and he politely asked through the systems that be for the DEA to reschedule psilocybin to schedule two instead of keeping it on schedule one where you can't use it for, you know, your dying children right? who might be helped with some psilocybin therapy. He argued that the FDA has designated this psychedelic as a breakthrough therapy, which makes schedule two the appropriate placement for it. Sure. However, the DEA eventually got along to replying to him and they said, no, we're going to deny your request because we're worried about interstate commerce happening. If we move it to schedule two, like God forbid magic mushrooms start moving state to state more than they already do. Right. Cause right now they don't definitely not. Yeah. So Agarwal was like, okay, let's try this again. And he brought legal action over that denial under the federal right to try law. Nice. Which, of course, allows the seriously ill, terminally ill, to use investigational drugs. The DEA turned around and said that the right to try only explicitly discusses exemptions under the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, not Things on the Controlled Substances Act, which I had not heard that. I thought that everything went under right to try. I thought it was like, hey, it's illegal somehow. You can try it because you're dying anyway. Right. And the doctor also said that's not the case. That's not true that things listed on the Controlled Substances Act are exempt from this. So they rejected his waiver and he got it up to federal court. But the judges, and I remember talking about this on one of the previous polls, the judges said, well, we can't reach the merits of this challenge because the DEA hasn't made it clear that its denial is its final ruling. Oh, and so Jesus. you could still potentially appeal. <clears throat> so for a year, the plaintiffs and this doctor tried to get the DEA to admit that their decision was final. You know, no. We're gonna. We're not gonna give you the right to try right. on psilocybin because of our belief that right to try only works for the uh, Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act things. And they finally did in September. They said, "Yep, this is our final decision." And so last October, the doctor and his plaintiffs filed a new request for review, and this became the lawsuit. Ames versus the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, uh, which says that 
the court should vacate the DEA's denial and remand to the DEA. And that the DEA should request from the Health and Human Services Secretary a scientific medical evaluation and recommendation. So this week, why it came up in the news again, is that a bunch of advocates, researchers, and experts in the field submitted a series of briefs to add to his side of the lawsuit. Um, and it just, it sucks that it's taken this long and that the can just keeps getting kicked down the road because you know his patients are dying every day. Right. These are terminally ill in palliative care, terminally ill children, and they can't try a therapy that's already been proven to help people at the end of their life. So, yeah, he got support from, you know, the normal, like, Drug Policy Alliance's Ethan Nadelman wrote a brief, Normal wrote a brief, but then a lot of these uh, end-of-life care groups, like End-of-Life Washington, Evergreen Health, A Sacred Passing, Pancreatic Cancer North America, Global Wellness Institute, and also groups for veterans like Reason for Hope and the Veteran Mental Health Leadership Coalition. And it was awesome reading their briefs because everyone has a different opinion on it, whether it's just freedom and this is America and liberty to with the veterans saying, you know, we could be preventing veteran suicides potentially. Definitely. By allowing for a little magic mushroom therapy. Right. Well, just to kind of recap the the whole purpose here of the end of life care when it comes specifically to psilocybin it's uh what it's shown to do is help people with a terminal diagnosis kind of cope with and come to peace with the, the transitionary period uh so it's a psychological treatment it's it's all mental and spiritual yes it um and it's a one-time thing it's not like you're doing mushrooms every day until you die it's a session that's right. Where, where you go from distraught and, a fear, and afraid of death and this fear of the uh, unknown and the passing and uh, a lot of, you know, mental anguish and spiritual anguish to, um, in the studies that have been done so far, most people come to, come to a certain amount of peace about it. Peace, yeah. And, you know, the, the federal government wants to stand in the way of these terminally ill patients and a little bit of peace in their soul and in their mind for what, for what versus no kind of a danger, no side effect, no, uh, you know, it's not like they're trying to hook you on some drug for the rest of your life. Yeah. No it's matter how a, long or short your lifespan may be just a one to two therapeutic sessions. I think that's a lot of the problem though. Uh, yeah. They'd rather have you miserable and on a, Nine pill a day regimen minimum. Yeah, hooked up to machines to prolong the suffering because that's life and you're afraid of letting go and moving on to the next chapter. Yeah, it's big business. Yep, big business. It's gross. So, uh, it's one thing that's really cool about this case is that one of the attorneys has a sub stack where he's been talking about it off and on. Um, so it's it's kind of neat to check in there. You know, he doesn't say anything that breaks client confidentiality or anything, but it's cool to know that it's still alive and that they're still fighting for this. Uh, also a fight over in Russia. Mark Fogel is still locked up. Yep. So the House Foreign Affairs Committee chairman, Michael McCall, and eight other lawmakers have once again sent a letter to Secretary of State Antony Blinken asking for documents concerning Fogel's case. Because his case is 
pretty much identical to Brittany Griner's when it comes to having some <laughs> medical weed and being detained, except for he got a longer, harsher sentence. 15 years. And he's already out in the gulag, smashing rocks or whatever they make you do. Hard manual labor. And he's an older older gentleman. You know, and, and he was using medical weed for some back surgeries he had. He's not well. He should get a lot better at basketball. <laughs> Could be. Any, and also transition to being a woman so that's women's basketball might not hurt yeah you can be a lesbian you know could do it yeah the sky's the limit these days so they you know they've sent a letter asking for these documents before and obviously it just went ignored like most things when it comes to the federal government the u.s senate veterans affairs committee approved a bill this week mandating that the Department of Veterans Affairs study the effects of medical pot for vets with PTSD and chronic pain. This is the VA Medicinal Cannabis Research Act of 2023. It has been filed for, I think this is the third year in a row. I'm pretty sure it started in either 2019 or 2020. 2020 sounds right, uh, but you'll have to fact check me on that. And this is historical because it's the first time a standalone pot bill has cleared a Senate panel. Oh, boy. Yep. Baby steps. That's what steps. we call a... Uh... It's a step in the right direction. Oh, after it all. is. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. Another step in the right direction is that the American Transportation Research Institute is conducting a survey on the impact of legalization in the trucking community, in the trucking industry. Oh, truck, yeah. So I will have a link to that in the show notes. If you're a trucker, you should definitely take that survey. Honk, honk, motherfuckers. The New Jersey Attorney General released revised drug testing policies for law enforcement. When legalization passed there, they mentioned in there that cops couldn't be drug tested for pot. They could still be tested for other drugs, but not pot because it would be legal and it was fine for them to use off-duty. People got really pissed off about that because, you know... Federally illegal still. Sure. And, um, you know, we're what about our federal money and blah, blah, blah. So the attorney general came out just with this clarification this week. I'll have a link to the exact document. All they say is that, you know, it's fine if you use it off duty. It's not fine if you use it on the job. And if you get caught using it on the job, uh, you're going to get tested for it. And then there can be a, an issue. But until there's an issue, it's not an issue. And I think that's the way it should be. Right. For all jobs. I agree. So another aspect of concern with this was that, you know, oh, well, you have to lie to buy a firearm. And cops have to have firearms. So how can they use weed and carry a firearm? Well, (laughs) when you start digging into laws and stuff, you see that there's actually an exception that's been written out for government workers oh. where it's like, well, this is government property and the government is the one buying the guns. So it actually doesn't matter if it's a bunch of drug addicts or retards that have them. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. Yeah. So it's, uh, it must be fucking nice. 
God forbid you're I wouldn't know. A sickly old woman who needs some weed and you get caught and you got some weed with your medical license and a gun on you in states that aren't Oklahoma. Freaking unconstitutional, man. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, what the hell? This is America. Yeah, this is America, you dumb son of a bitch. Anyway, in Pennsylvania, the Department of Health is suing Spotlight PA, one of the uh, newspapers out there. Digital, at least. I guess I don't have a physical copy of it. Uh, But they want to keep data from the medical program secret, for lack of better terms. They don't want to share it. And the journalists have requested information about how often physicians are approving patients for the medical program. Spotlight PA, of course, they wrote their story about (coughs) a woman who's a physician of some sort who decided she should get a medical license and then thought it was too easy because she did it all over telemed, which is, you know, the first time I've heard that complaint. It was too easy. They're not doing their checks and balances. They didn't even ask for my medical records. They just gave me the weed. It's like, okay, so shut up and take the card. That's the way I feel about it. But Spotlight PA was like, no, you know what? We're going to do an investigation. It seems like there's physicians out there that might be bending or breaking state rules. We want all the information. We want to see how many licenses are being given out by each doctor. And... You know, they say, we're looking for doctors' names, not patient information, so there's no reason why you should withhold this information from us. Um, The Office of Open Records gave the health department 30 days to hand over the the records that were relevant to the questions being asked, but they refused and appealed to the Commonwealth Commonwealth Court. So, access will be delayed for at least several months, with the way things go with court. And my final story for Behind the Curtain tonight comes from Washington State, where the Senate Labor and Commerce Committee gutted, 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 they gutted a psilocybin legalization bill. I mean, just completely destroyed it. Ah, uh, man. Yeah, SB 5263 would have put Washington on the road to regulating the use of magic mushrooms, just like Oregon, for adults 21+. plus. And it would have required, you know, licensed, trained facilitators that you'd have to go to for your th- magic mushroom therapy or whatever. Uh, but now, the bill has been sliced and diced so much that it just uh, suggests they study the issue and provide advice on developing a regulatory framework. So what does it do? It creates a task force and a state psilocybin board. Oh, my favorite things. I can feel the fucking evil. That's right. Advocates are blaming Governor Jay fucking Inslee, too, because he's openly opposed this bill. Yeah. The whole time. And he likes to get in and fuck things up. (laughs) Yep. And the only, like, glimmer of hope here, or, like, the positive, I suppose, is that the senator who filed this bill filed a very similar bill last year, which just died and you know this year it got heard in the committee so uh, i guess that's progress i guess so it's a you know pretty loose way of (laughs) calling it progress but they're fucking full of shit they are they always will be yeah what can you do it's it's tough it is just uh i would say live and let live but 
They just keep stepping on Snek. No, uh, just roll another joint. Yeah. Another joint. Uh, speaking of another joint, guess what? Uh, the Rev sent us a joint here. Oh, yeah, in nice. In the form of the latest metal moment. Very cool. Would you like to take a listen to that? I would. Well, here it comes. In the bowl and in the morning. This here is Sir Reverend Cybertrucker and Kenny and Grogu with this week's Metal Moment. When people think of heavy metal, they don't usually think of the American hard rock band Aerosmith. But the year after I was born, 1976, Aerosmith released its fourth studio album, Rocks, with the sixth track being Nobody's Fault. Now, Nobody's Fault is often cited as one of the heaviest songs Aerosmith has ever recorded, and many musicians regard it highly. Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash and James Hetfield of Metallica both consider it one of their favorite Aerosmith songs, and some have noted that the Metallica song, Damage Incorporated, has a similar opening. Covered by the likes of Testament, Jackal, L.A. Guns, and Vince Neil, this song is probably one of my favorites from Aerosmith as well. From the 1976 album Rocks, this is Aerosmith, Nobody's Fault. Bringing that heat. Hard to even tell that was Aerosmith. Not really, but... Very cool. Very nice. Powerful. Powerful metallic Aerosmith. Look at that. Well, thank you, Rev. Appreciate another magical metal moment, as always. You can follow along with the uh, Rev's shenanigans over on No Agenda Social. He is Rev Cybertrucker at noagendasocial.com. Give him a follow. You will uh, be glad that you did. Uh, we appreciate him coming in week after week, bull after bull with those metal moments. Just It just uh, picks us up right here in the spot of the show. Hell yeah. From the road, even. That's right. From the road. Putting in work. Going back, grabbing that mic, getting back after it. <laughs> uh, he's always slipping it in. Slipping it in to the uh, folder there, shared folder. I appreciate that because it's easy for an idiot like me to find it. Uh, an idiot like me can also find some voicemails. All you gotta do is call 816-607-3663, wait for the beep, and then start talking. You got three minutes to leave a voicemail. 
uh, and it will work every time, every time, uh, unless you have poor service. We have found sometimes you're like driving through a tunnel, or uh, you're getting psychic attacked by uh, energy vampires, or whatever happens. Uh, but in those weird cases, you can always reach out and leave a text as well. Same number. It will go through, and we'll read it right here. Uh, we usually like to have a little prompt just to get your uh, brain juices lubricated and ready to go. And, of course, this week's prompt. First time I ever fermented something, thanks to uh, the ultra-famous C-dubs in the chat for coming up with that one last week, and we just rolled with it. Uh, have you ever fermented something? Give us a call like this caller did. You know, i got to say, it's kind of personal asking if I've ever fermented anything. Uh, we get personal. I've ever fermented anything. We get personal but, uh, in the bowl. You know, I guess that's how the how the bowl is. Damn straight. It's personal, you know? That's right. But that's how you get to know each other, right? You exactly. Uh, so, I mean, the quick and simple answer would be never. Uh, never. I, mean, I potentially have, like... Never have I'm I ever. I'm not sure exactly. I would need to look up, like... You got a drink. True fermenta- uh, fermentation. Yeah. Uh, like if I, you know, like leaving something in the fridge long enough. Oh, yeah, maybe. With something. But, there you go. Uh, I've never purposely fermented anything. So the answer is never. Uh, so we're back to that 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 route of just me answering never for things. Oh, take so, a drink. It means you got a drink. Uh, but yeah, fermented stuff is good. Sauerkraut's good. You know, I got to get it with the cabbage and the... And and the bratwurst or the bockwurst. Yeah. And uh, not bro- uh, potatoes. Sorry, sour, sauerkraut and potatoes. Potato! Um, or however they say it on Rare Encounter. With the coldest of acids. Potatoes. Ableist Kirby. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I know you can ferment things. And probably be fun to do. Uh, my wife made some pickles. With some uh, cucumbers, some cucumbered pickle, or some pickled cucumbers, to be proper. But I uh, do not believe that was for through a fermentation process. So, there we are. How are you guys doing? Oh, Great. we're doing fantastic. And it happened over the week. You're going to tell us about it, but, you know, yeah. So much happened. So, all right. I love you guys. Stay dangerous. Every day. And whether or not you enjoy fermented foods, or you do not... Go ahead, and you know how it goes. Go ahead and you You were supposed to say that. Uh, yeah, we did. One more time. Okay, fine. There you go. We got it all together at time. Yeah, it's uh, more special if you cacaw at once. Yes. Yeah. The more people that cacaw simultaneously, the more powerful the spell. Yeah, it's more powerful if you do it in a group live in a crowd. That's right. Uh, as, as the Walter Day famously said. There's nothing stronger than having it be done in front of a crowd. Nothing stronger. Nothing stronger? I can't think of a thing stronger. It's funny, I did reload uh, several of these damn... Uh, King of Kong. King of Kong ISOs. ISOs. And then I like forgot that I did. Such a great movie. Yankees, Red Sox, Maris Mantle, Heckle and Jekyll, all the big rivalries <laughs> in history. Echo and Jekyll. Yeah. You know. And now here I am at Fun Spot, busting my ass. <laughs> That's what you do at Fun Spot. If you're for it, you're a son of a gun. If you're against it, you're a son of a gun. Yeah, anyway. I'm for it. 
No, I'm always for it. I'll be a son of a gun for being for it. <laughs> yeah. You can write me down in the son of a gun category. Uh, fermented anything, first time. Well, see, now, uh, Christopher Battles brings up a good point, Link. What if it was an accidental fermentation? I mean, technically, uh, isn't that why your armpits stink? Because, like, the sweat, um, like, ferments, you know? Like, isn't that fermentation, too? Aren't you just kind of, like, aren't you kind of a little fermy when you start to reek? I don't know. I'm not a fucking scientist. I'm just an idiot in his basement talking into a microphone. That's right. Sometimes that doesn't even work. <laughs> like tonight. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to switch out a cable on the fly. Whatever, man. It's part of, the, part of the magic of the mystery, right? Yeah. Well, you know, accidental fermentation was what I was going to bring for my first time I ever story. Oh, perfect. Story. Yeah. Because I remember learning about fermentation through an accident in which I, as a child, left a cup of grape juice somewhere where I shouldn't have put a cup of grape juice. Oh, geez. And forgot about it. And then one day it was like, what is that vinegary smell? Oh, no. And then I found the cup. And I was like, oh, it's the grape juice. And it still looks fine, but it smells like shit. <laughs> and I just dumped it out. Little did I know I had fermented that shit. Wow. Well, I said something. I was I said something to my great-grandma. I was like, hey, uh... You know, I left that grape juice and something really weird happened to it. Mm-hmm. And she started telling me about the science behind it. Science! Science! Yeah. Yeah. Very scientific. That's right. Uh, I think this next caller actually is a scientist. Hey, guys. Rev here. Oh, hey, Rev. Let's see. First time I ever fermented something. Well, it was right after I got my Blackberry Torch. Okay. I believe it's 3810 was the, the model number. Um, a sliding, uh, a slider with a touchscreen and a physical keyboard. Ooh, fancy! But uh, I was tooling around on the internet. I was, uh, I think, I was in Montana, and uh, I found this little website that said how to uh, make your own apple cider on the cheap. Love the nice. cheap. So I read the instructions real quick and decided I was going to do it. So I ran to Walmart. I bought all the ingredients and a little bit of. Uh, little bit of active yeast and started fermenting my own apple cider and about a week later i had a real shitty tasting but <laughs> highly potent Hey-o. apple cider and that was the first time i ever fermented anything in the bowl y'all in the bowl in the bowl there you go i love apple cider vinegar hey man you know as long as it gets you hammered who gives a shit what it tastes like right at yeah. a certain point at a certain point once the hammering sets in then you can't stop the hammering. You know. As long as you can make it to that hammered stage, then it's over. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Who cares? That's now, why... He, I want to point out he didn't say vinegar. I know. I was... Cider. You can see my brain is freaking slammed. Yeah. I know. I, I, this is the thing. I read the chat, I listen, and then I mix the two up. Apple cider is wonderful. And what I was going to say is... This is also why, what you said, all you have to do is get hammered. That's why the last glass of wine is always the best glass of wine. Yes. If you go to like a, well, even just the little taste tests. The first one, you're like, hmm, tastes like wine. Second one, you're like, hmm, tastes like wine. Third one, you're like, you know, it's a little bit better. 
but yeah. 16 in and you're like, <laughs> oh, this this one, this is the best one. This is the best wine. You're my best friend. Thank you for bringing me <laughs> this thing. It's great. I want more crackers, please. Yes. Thanks for being my bowl mate. <laughs> yep, that's how it goes. Yep. Oh, man. Apple cider, though, that's very exciting. The first time I ever fermented something, intentionally, uh, was was in college with some roommates of mine. We brewed beer in a bucket, a little bucket that we did. Uh, the first run we did was a quad, uh, quad hopped IPA, so it was super hoppy. Wow! You boil all the hops up with the malt and the uh, grain, and. I even tasted some of the hops as they were boiling. Just like straight hops. like mm. The poison. Tastes like the poison, as Gwen would say. Um, but yeah, you let that fucker sit in a closet for like, uh, I don't remember how much, how long it was. It was like a few weeks. You, there's a little bubbler on top, which is how you know. Like in the top of the bucket, once the yeast starts to actually eat all the sugars... And convert the sugars to alcohol. I guess like the yeast eats the little sugars and it like farts out these gases. These gases escape as their uh, sugars are being converted to alcohol. And the gas escaping makes these little bubble like fizzy things going on. And you can actually watch at the top of the bucket these bubbles just bubbling up. And then after a while, after I don't know, it was like a week or something, they stop. And when it stops, that means that the that the uh, conversion's pretty much complete. Uh, and then you bottle that shit up. You bottle that shit up, and we use these big 22-ounce bottles. Because why not? Why waste your time with the little 12s? We bottle them up in 22-sers, and then you got to let them sit in the bottles for a little bit longer for that to finish out. And yeah, that ended up being a fantastic beer for just... Uh, it wasn't his first time, uh, my roommate's, but... You know, we we joined in and helped them out, and it was our first times. Ended up being a great product. We did uh, a peach wheat beer after that, too, Mm. which was quite tasty and kind of interesting to experiment with, like, the little flavor add. Yeah, what is the flavor add? Like a powder? Uh, It was like a syrup. Syrup. Yeah, it was like a natural flavor syrup thing that we added to it. At that peach kick. And it was actually better than any peach wheat beer that I've had on the market. Dang. We kind of had based it, because it was the summertime, and we had really had a taste for this wheech. I can't remember who made wheech. Um, I'm trying to look it up, actually, now that I'm remembering O'Fallon? It. Yeah, O'Fallon, that's it. <clears throat> O'Fallon wheech. We had really developed a taste for that. And then, uh, yeah, we ended up making something even better. At least nice. in my opinion. Now do it again. No doubt. <laughs> First thing I ever saw fermented, though, was uh, in high school, this kid's uh, uncle had a moonshine still. Ooh. It was just like corn moonshine. It tasted like fucking spicy tamales. And um, he would bring it to school and sell it in these Gatorade bottles, right? So I bought one just for the novelty of it more than anything. And fucking hooey, dude. That hooch was like so hot and spicy and and tasted like corn. Just straight <laughs> up. Uh, so I had a couple sips because you don't just bang it. You don't just bang down a Gatorade bottle of moonshine, right? Oh. You got to take your time with that shit. Well, I had totally forgotten about it. And then, 
maybe a month later, I found it in the back of my closet. And you know Gatorade bottles, man, they have like intense ridges on them to kind of help you grip the bottle. Yes. And this bottle, the the gas inside had expanded to such an extreme that the bottle was completely smooth. Oh. All the ridges were totally gone because it was under so much pressure. And when I opened the lid, it fucking exploded. Oh. And the, the lid made like a dent in my ceiling. Holy crap. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. Did anyone ever notice? Your parents? I don't believe so. Because <laughs> it was a hole in the ceiling of the closet itself. Nice. Not a hole, but a dent. Um, so yeah, wasn't really. Yeah, who's looking there? Nobody, thank you know, God. Yeah, you don't walk into a closet and look up. Even in a home inspection, that would probably go unnoticed. That's nice. In most cases. What about the smell? See, I mean, it didn't shoot. See, the, the the moonshine didn't shoot out of the bottle. Oh, oh, just the cap flew off. Just the cap and the gas. You know, the gas <laughs> was what was pressing. Did the FBI come? <laughs> uh, the FBI wasn't coming. They were just uh, they were just breathing really heavily. Uh, kind of like this next caller, actually, if, if you want to be honest about it. <clears throat> oh, oh, bowlers. Yeah, the, <laughs> the first I thing I ever pickled, oh, it has to be protein. Uh, pickled sausages. But uh, the first thing I believe I ever pickled was uh, eggs. Ooh. You kind of medium or hard boil the eggs. Yeah. And then uh, peel them. And you make the uh, pickled brine solution, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, mm. oh god. Oh god. Anyway, yeah, not <laughs> everyone always says, "Wow, I think of pickled eggs and see an old guy at the bar eating them or some shit like that." Yeah. But uh, no, they're they're actually uh, quite quite the delicacy as you prep them correctly. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, oh oh, with all this. Um, kid talk and uh these weather balloons yeah uh we've had uh whatever weird spy balloon issues i had a question for you as young parents uh you might know this uh why did no one ever give elsa from the movie frozen why didn't they give her a balloon huh why that's a good question. because she would always let it go let it go. Uh, oh, what a groan. <laughs> <coughs> he hung up on himself. Oh, he did. He was he was ashamed right when it left his lips. <laughs> He's like, oh man, I actually did that. Well, there you go. You know, never have I ever tried pickled eggs. Yeah, it's something I've always wanted to do, but it's like... Uh, I just think of Moses Lick. It's, it's one of those things where I know it would be probably pretty good experience but the thought of it is not good you know what i mean <laughs> i like how you put that yeah exactly. like, i definitely do imagining and anticipating eating a frozen pickled hard-boiled egg seems fucked if you've never done it because i've never done it and it seems fucked right you've never done it no yeah so it seemed kind of fucked i like hard-boiled eggs i like pickles i like uh pickle juice the brine but put them together and i'm not sure i don't know why i just Anything pickled, I need it to have a crunch with it mm, in my mind. I think, yeah. and I think that's why. I think that's why pickles don't have, or I mean, <laughs> fuck, hard-boiled eggs don't have no crunch, right? Unless you keep the shell on. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe that's the solve. Just keep the shell on. No. 
Let's not. You've upset C Dub's collar because uh, uh, pickling and fermenting. I think that uh, I think there's an issue here. There's being an there's an issue being raised. They're adjacent. Oh yeah, you put some put some shit together and wait. You know, right? Is that the gist of it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, somebody's fermented over there. God damn. God damn. Well, thank you, callers. Thanks for weighing in on the uh, first time you ever fermented something. <coughs> now I we gotta we think would, of a topic for next week. I really thought we would have one fart joke in there somewhere, bowlers, but... Uh, oh, bowlers. You know, did not come to fruition. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I what, don't know either. <laughs> what do I know about it? I'm looking for my list. Here it is. Uh, yes, peed during a live podcast. First time I ever uh, got my blood drawn, got promoted, oh. choked on something. Uh, C-dubs suggests first time I ever farted and was embarrassed. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love there it. There you go. Now you're guaranteed fart stories for next week. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. So there's some inspiration. Uh, I got halfway there. I farted. I wasn't embarrassed, but halfway there is good enough, right? Yeah. Uh, we'll first time you ever we can get. first time you ever farted and got embarrassed. First time you ever farted and were embarrassed. You can call in eight one six six zero seven three six six three. The phone lines are always open. That's the thing. You can call any time. You can uh, call right now, even, uh, and get your. Your F tie in. You can also, by the way, call in and leave a question for Dave Jones as we talk to him on Sunday. Uh, and that would be tremendous <laughs> if you have wondered anything about the life of Dave Jones, the man, the myth, the legend uh, behind podcasting 2.0. Uh, let me know. Let me know. 816-607-3663. Oh, we have a last minute buzzer beater that I would be remiss not to play. Thank you, caller. Would you believe me if I said the first time I ever fermented something was tonight? Uh, I just found about 32 ounces of uh, coffee. Oh, God. Date of origin unknown. <laughs> Solid enough to grab out of the sink. Let me tell you what. In the bowl. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, there we go, caller. Hey. See, now that's work. That's some value going down. Yeah. That's a caller who said, shit, I haven't actually fermented something. And then rather than, you know, call in and say, I've never done it, what did he do? He just went and did it, right? So that he could call in and he had a story about doing it. Yeah, that's right. Was that so hard? Was that so difficult? You know, maybe it was, but it wasn't too difficult. That's all I'm saying. Wasn't too difficult to accomplish. I also know that the bowlers are achievers. That's right. That's right. Well, uh... Whenever your date of origin is unknown, you know what you say? Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. <laughs> yeah, let's go bowling. <laughs> we talked about the Chiefs Parade earlier. We did. I've heard a bunch of boomers complaining about it because they think that the boys were too drunk. Okay. Or whatever. Recalcitrant boomer. Yeah, exactly. They didn't carry themselves well. Uh, I don't know. I watched it on the boob tube. I thought they did fine. You know, they're celebrating for sure, grabbing bottles from the crowd and taking sips and stuff. But it's just the love, man, you know? Yeah, it's part of the- Interacting with uh, the fans. I don't know, celebration and, and uh, football. No one was falling over. And no Bud, one... Bud Light being a major sponsor. Hello. Yeah. 
for 33 years of only Anheuser Busch commercials. Right. And then it all changed. This very Super Bowl. But anyways, I digress. Mahomes didn't whip his dick out or anything, you know? But But he could have. He could have, and it would have made a lot more headlines. (laughs) That's true. Than this story, where Pat Mahomes, you know, had to break the seal, so he hopped into a porta potty, and when he left, when he exited it, he got a standing ovation, obviously, by everyone who was around, hooting and hollering. Nice. And then people were even taking selfies with the porta potty. You know, in this fucked up world, I wouldn't like be surprised if somebody like scoops some into a vial or something. Yeah, I wouldn't you know be what surprised I mean? either. Like people are just so fucking retarded. Mixed with Mahomes' piss. Oh my god, piss sells, man. Well, he wakes up in the morning and piss is excellent. So maybe you can just capture some of that. But it would be blue because it's a porta potty weirdo stuff. <laughs> you know, like cleaner in it or whatever. I'm blue, da boo dee da boo da. <laughs> I'm a blue pee-pee die. I'm a blue pee-pee die. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, and there's video of him coming out of the porta potty and then he just dances over the crowd, high-fives everyone. Hey, when you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, I've been drinking all damn day. Yeah. Got a whiz. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Plus, hey, you gotta fight for your right to party. That's right. God damn it. Never forget. Oh, this next story Sir Oma sent me, and this is a great one. Okay. Police in Nebraska started getting phone calls about three Mustangs racing. Okay. And um, I'm assuming that's the, the car that the is manufactured by Ford? Yes, it is. Okay. Vroom, vroom. Okay. Not clippity-clop. No, no. And gotcha. so a cop was driving along US 33. Okay. And he clocked a Mustang that matched one of the descriptions going 130 miles per hour. Now, I like to think that he was going 133 miles per hour. Just to add a little bit more magic to this story. Sure. This was a 45 mile per hour zone. So he's going like three times the speed limit. And this was just after midnight on a Sunday. Gets pulled over. Driver's 18. And he asks... How much he clocked in on, and if he could see the speedometer. Yeah. And the guy's like, "Yeah, I clocked you at one thirty. And he smiled and was like really proud of it. You know what his license plate was what? on that Mustang? On three with threes for ease. So there's another thirty-three for you. Damn. Yep. Chock full of them. Yeah, magical story. That was magic. Good and, roll. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good game so far. Wow. I got a clip for the next story. Oh, I love it. Yeah, let's see if we can uh, keep the strikes rolling in. We're just outside Ferris, Texas. And at his small house near Ferris, Texas, George Rebellis... I was shocked. ...had quite a story to tell. And that's putting it mildly. A story about his trip to downtown Ferris and the Souls Harbor thrift store to dig through their collection of cassettes and CDs. And I've been taking care of Bachman Turner Overdrive is the 1970s treasure he found. Nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're consistently good. Uh, but when he opened it, this was inside. It wasn't uh, until I turned it over that uh, I noticed that what it was. An original black and white Polaroid, the date, 11 63 handwritten on the back. The Kennedy Motorcade. On that fateful day. 
of course realized immediately that this was a, an unpublished photograph. It just struck me as odd to find in a CD case how this picture could have ended up in a small town thrift store fascinates me. The fact that you have fascinates someone else too, another Ferris. This time, Ferris with an A at a favorite location. I mean, I paid for it. <laughs> My name's on the wall up there. The JFK historian is responsible for the bronze plaques and the beacon on the Lovefield runway, marking where, after the assassination, Lyndon Johnson took the oath of office aboard Air Force One. To me, it's, it's the most historical landmark in Dallas. But as for George Rebellis's historical picture. In kind of giving you the antiques roadshow uh, interpretation here. He says it might not be that valuable. A mystery. On the best educated guess, he sees an old hotel in the background. And that matches. Telling him the picture was taken as the president was leaving Love Field. The turn left onto Mockingbird Lane. And a passenger side door is firmly closed. Later in the drive, Governor Connolly leaves it slightly ajar when the president suggests they stop to shake hands in the crowd. If someone thinks this is of uh, high monetary value, uh, prepare yourself to be underwhelmed or disappointed. Not news that George back in the other Ferris would be all that happy to hear, but he'd still like to know who took the picture, how it ended up in a CD case in a small town thrift store. I'm not a huge conspiracy nut or anything like that, but, okay. but sometimes things don't quite add up. But at least adds up to one more grainy mystery, nearly 60 years and counting. Wow. What a find, right? No doubt. Uh, I will say that the way that they cut back and forth and back and forth in that report really annoyed the fuck out of me. Oh, it was terrible. Like, the guy says three words, and then the reporter says three words, and it's like they're doing a run-on sentence, but back and forth together. Oh, yeah. my God. It's like... I just wanted to hear what the dude that they were interviewing had to say. Give me a fucking brain aneurysm, dude. Yeah, seriously, I agree. But, unfortunately, uh, that was the only... The state of journalism, that's all I'm bitching about. Yeah, I know. Nothing new. Especially little media reports like that. Cool find, though. I always know when you start with a thrift store thing, it's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the uh, your first conspiracy dip with the JFK assassination. Yes, JFK, so, baby's first red pill. Yeah, I thought you would like that one. I did. I thought you'd like that one. I did. I appreciated it. Now, over in Ireland, there's a story that you you might not like this one so much. Oh, no. A rooster with a violent past. <laughs> has killed a man, according to the court documents. Holy shit. Yes. That's one mean cock. That's right. <laughs> it was a Brahma rooster, and I had to look these fuckers up. They are nasty looking. Okay. They've got the feathers on the feet, which make them look bigger than they already are. Okay. How, do we, how do we spell Brahma? B-R-A-H-M-A. Okay. And so... Yeah, this rooster attacked a kid. Oh, they're pretty, though. Oh, they are pretty, for sure, but I wouldn't fuck with that. Okay, uh, tenth uh, image result. The headline is, 13 calm chicken breeds perfect for kids, even roosters. Oh, not in Ireland. I guess not. The Irish ones, <laughs> man, they get fucking hammered on gimmicks and kill people. Yeah, you look at the size of those talons, and you can see where this all goes wrong. Yeah, so... Dude takes in this rooster after it attacks a kid. And his daughter said that it attacked her grand her daughter. So granddaughter gets attacked by the rooster. Oh well, you know it's a fucking bird. We're not scared of chickens around here. Stomp it. Neither was this guy. Well, his daughter came home one night 
fed the animals around the farm and started heading towards the house when she heard her dad screaming for help. And she went in there and she found blood spurting from his leg, which was also covered in scratches. And he started coming in and out of consciousness. She called the emergency services and they talked her through CPR, uh, which she went and did for about 25 minutes before anyone showed up to help. Cut him. Uh, and it was just too late. But she said that he had uttered the word rooster before passing. And so the blood trail led back to the chicken coop. And there was that Brahma rooster with blood all over its claws. Holy shit. So, yeah, they put two and two together, and uh, that cock's a murderer. This whole thing is very, very spooky. Yeah. Only complaint the daughter had in court was that there's no support for the family when it comes to cleaning up the blood, as there would be in a normal homicide. Huh. And it's like it was still a homicide. It was just that the chicken was the murderer. Right. You know? Well, you know, get a two liter of Coca-Cola and take care of it. Well, tell her that. That's my friendly neighborhood tip. <laughs> I'm glad you know these things. I mean, if you can't get rid of the blood, then uh, I don't know. That's amateur hour shit, just saying. Yeah, well, I f- felt like you might think it's amateur hour shit getting killed by a rooster. That also, yes, is amateur hour shit. If a bird kills you, <sighs> you should rethink the the whole uh, thing of, of life. Yeah, I don't know. and Harvat brings up a good point in the... Bull. She talks about performing CPR, but it's like when you're bleeding like that, maybe an artery was struck or yeah. something, and it shouldn't you, yeah, tourniquet, stop the bleeding. It's like you're just pumping on his chest and pushing that blood pushing out blood more out. and more and more. <laughs> yeah. So there should be some uh, investigation into the poor advice she got. Well, uh, 911 operators, like, it's not like there's EMTs sitting there in the call center, and you know? Yeah, that's true. They just put whoever they can get. Yeah, and in this day and age. Get him I mean, CPR, yeah, yeah. Good point, Harvat. That is that is dumb advice. I don't know what the dispatchers in Ireland are you like, wanna, but... You want to get a belt or some sort of a rope and uh, go above the wound on the leg and tighten that fucker down as tight as you can. And then you want to get some sort of a compress, maybe rip your t-shirt off, put it over the wound and apply as much fucking pressure to the directly to the wound as you can. Stop the bleeding. Yes. Not pump the chest. It's not like his heart stopped. It's like no. he's bleeding out. bleeding out. Yeah. Well, what are you going <laughs> to do in Ireland, man? They're like, they're confused, uh, a bunch of people. That's all. Yeah. Yep. Did you learn that in Boy Scouts also? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. You learn a lot of first aid stuff. Emergency there. preparedness and first aid. Yep. And I think they go over it in uh, life saving as well, although that's more oriented to saving people specifically from drowning. Mm. Uh, but it does include uh, different things like, uh, you know, how to treat a potential spinal and oh yeah, other kind of rescues. This is stuff that everyone should know. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. And that only occurred to me when someone had a seizure in a college classroom and no one knew what to do except for me. It's like, Most times uh, when some real serious shit goes down, everyone just freezes and stares at the, 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 the victim, the uh, oh. subject. Thank you very much. <laughs> They're not a victim till they die, so... Oh, okay. Uh, in life-saving procedures, we refer to them as the subject. <laughs> because you're not going to let them die. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But they still suffered some shit. Doesn't that make them a victim? A maybe victim of their afterwards, own health? Maybe afterwards, but... Uh, 
in the moment, they're the subject and they must be rescued. Subject, yeah. Yeah. None of that victim talk. No. No victim mentality here in the bowl. That's right. Ah. Uh, probably no victim mentality in this Florida house either, where a Pasco County couple have commissioned a revolver-shaped swimming pool and received it. I was really hoping that a journalist would do a good video interview with the couple behind this revolver-shaped swimming pool, but they didn't. They just flew their drones over it to show aerial views. It does look really cool. Mm. I just wanted to also meet the people behind it. Yeah, like why? Yeah, they had a little write-up as to why, at least. Um, The man's 67 years old, and he says 40 years ago when he was in high school, one of his buddies was a contractor who built pools, and he said he was really bored of building the traditional shaped pools. He wanted a challenge. And he said, the 67-year-old dude said he'd been thinking about that for 40 years. Wow. And he has had a lifelong relationship with guns. He said his mom bought him his first firearm when he was 12 years old. Nice. And it was a 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun. And then he opened a gunsmithing business with his brother in 1976. So, what shape swimming pool did he want? A revolver. Based. Yeah, pretty cool. That'd probably be fun to skate, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Be a novel thing to skate, a revolver-shaped pool. Although I doubt this elderly man is skating. No, no, probably not. But you could let somebody else skate it. Yeah. Let the grandkids skate it. Yeah. (laughs) Or somebody good at skating, skate it. Well, one thing you never want to do, accuse your fiancé of having sex with a cow, because they might get really mad at that and kill you with their bare hands. Holy shit. Yep. That happened in real life. This all went down in Indonesia. I'm going to call this next guy a cow fucker. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. This woman, she just uh, couldn't shut up, I guess. He, she kept accusing him of uh, being attracted to cows and having sex with cows, and he got sick of it. And for like three days, I guess, he molested her, and... And it said killed with his bare hands, so I assumed he strangled her. But upon further reading, the autopsy found a wound on the left temple, her left temple, Mm. and bleeding in the brain, which ultimately killed her. So uh, I guess he was bashing her head or something. She got bumped on the side of the head. She got bumped on the side of the head. Yeah, makes you want to watch what you say, I suppose. He should have just been like, uh, lady, you know the only cow I fucked is you. Hey, he should have. And if she thought he fucked a cow, I think she should have just left. You know, like, oh, I'm not going to stay with a cow fucker. Uh, it's just hard to hear the same thing over and over again, you know. Oh, for sure. She should have switched it up, called him a cow poke. <laughs> this one's for you. Thank you. Girl Scouts were selling cookies. As they do. In front of a Maryland grocery store. Yeah. And there was a guy sitting on the bench watching them. Okay. Already kind of a red flag, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude sitting, staring at Girl Scouts. Guys sitting on like, a bench too long is already, yeah. Like, what are you doing on that bench? Mom says he was there for like 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, if you're not waiting for a bus or a ride... 
you know, and you're like an employee waiting for your ride. Yeah. Uh, sketched out. I'm paying attention to you. You know, like well, noted. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're noted. This is why we carry. And obvious, exactly. Obviously, the mom had noted him because she knew he'd sat there for 20 minutes. Well, he got up, approached the Girl Scout table, simply grabbed their cash box and took off. Oh, my God. Yep. And no one has been able to catch him. So he was just waiting for enough sales to go down to make it worth it for him? I think so. Yeah. And now the mom says she doesn't want to press charges. She just wants the girl's money back. And... I saw this headline and thought, you know, this would have been a lot better if the headline was like, attempted robbery of Girl Scouts stopped when one of them shoots his ass yeah, or something, you know? like Blows a four-inch <laughs> hole in his chest. Don't fuck with Girl Scouts. Yeah, that would have been the- Ideal. Yeah, the based story. Or even if it's like, mother of Girl Scouts- Stops attempting yeah, robber. Yeah, or a private citizen onlooker or Oh, whatever. yeah, anyone. Uh, or, you know, I don't even care if they shoot him, like, uh, run him over with your uh, Hummer or something, you know? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have their gun badges, that's for sure. No. As C-Dubs points out in the chat. I don't know if there's any gun-related badges in the Girl Scouts. Yeah. Patches. There's like four or five in the Boy Scouts. Wow, that's cool. I guess that's why all the girls want to be Boy Scouts now. Makes sense. You know, the Girl Scouts should just adapt their curriculum, or whatever you would call it, you know? Uh, more of that camping, life-saving, cool things to know yeah. stuff, rather than selling cookies all the time. Or I don't know. I've met people who've had really wonderful experiences with the Girl Scouts, mm-hmm. and then there's me. <laughs> I went to one Girl Scout meeting. It You're trying to find your troop. You know, and so there were different troops. Sure. And they had their structure of what they were going to be working on. And besides selling the cookies, and then all the money goes back to the troop and not the individual sellers and whatever. Lame. Uh, it, there was a lot of, like, makeup and color matching yeah. and fashion-related stuff. And I thought, you know, I can do that on my own. I don't yeah. really need influence from others no. on those things. Color.adobe.com, people. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes yeah you know come up with your own color scheme come on yeah come on oh, speaking of schemes a man in England <laughs> decided to use a metal grinder to break into an industrial park and then uh, steal a semi truck to tow away a trailer and that trailer was loaded with Cadbury cream eggs oh damn yeah, another one. I can feel my heartburn coming on already. We're talking 40,000 pounds oh of eggs, chocolate eggs, which has a value, a street value of about 48,000 buckaroos. Whoa. USD, of course. Yeah. $48,000 worth of chocolate eggs. Okay. And so he started driving along, and the police. Figured out what was going on pretty fast because there's a lot of security cameras there. Sure. You know? And so they caught up to him. The big truck. And he, yeah, a big stolen semi with a bunch of chocolates. He pulled over. They found out he wasn't the Easter Bunny. And, <laughs> uh, you know, he just put his hands up and said, yeah, I stole the Cadbury cream eggs. You caught me. You caught the uh, Cadbury bandit. 
That's right. So his sentencing is scheduled for March 14th. Oh, pie day. Almost 200,000 eggs Damn. in that load. Incredible. Yeah. What would a guy want with all that chocolate? I was wondering, you know? like, Did he already have a fence lined up? Right. Has he got like a series of uh, convenience stores that he runs? I, I don't understand the motivation here. <sighs> I need more. This is, like, you know, people are worried about <laughs> kids buying weed from a street dealer or something, but <laughs> yeah. what do you think about your kids buying stolen chocolate eggs from a man, you know? Yeah. Don't give him your money. And kids seem like the target demographic here. You would think so. I've I mean... I've grown up. I'm not a fan of these cream eggs anymore. I never was that crazy about the Cadbury cream oh, egg, to be honest When with I you. was a kid, I liked them. It's just too rich. It's too much. <laughs> That's what my stomach says now. Too much. Like, I used to like the Queen Anne cherries, but I never really dug the Cadbury egg. Even when I was a child, it was, like, too sickeningly sweet. I was the opposite. Didn't like the Queen Anne cherries. Cadbury eggs was my jam. Yeah, different strokes for different folks, as they say. Yeah. Now I don't like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, very limited uh, chocolate enjoyment. I'd rather eat beef jerky. Oh, yes. That sounds good to me, too. Well, I've got another clip for the bowl tonight oh, on okay. the lanes. Wonderful. And it's once again coming out of Texas. It was last Saturday when neighbors started calling an Austin homeowner after seeing kids scaling his front fence and the water tower with cars parked up and down the driveway. And when the homeowner returned... Three young males jumped out of the uh, van or truck and attacked me. And then with it, they also destroyed my phone. A neighbor who questioned one of the partygoers got a picture of this flyer, which circulated over Snapchat, making its way into the hands of high schoolers across the area. Whoa. The uh, arm of the gate was sheared off. Um, so we, we think he just used kind of the car to pressure the uh, gates to open. And that allowed just total access into the property after that. The homeowner says it's not clear how the teens got into the house. Some of the vandalism to the sheetrock, the TV, they threw eggs in the guest bedrooms. Oh, no. They threw avocados, like (laughs) little things like that. He estimates the damage is worth tens of thousands of dollars. But what's really upsetting... You have a... Uh, a sense of safety prior and then you have an event like this and then it just makes you analyze everything uh, that goes on and and then uh, having a two-year-old it kind of ups the ante even more. Karen Lee is a neighbor who says she's disappointed and disgusted Karen. by what's happened. I've lived here for over Uh-oh. 20-something years in this neighborhood and the progressive attitude of entitlement amongst young people um, is is pretty horrible. Goddamn As the kids. homeowner works with the Travis County Sheriff's Office to figure out who created the flyer, Lear is encouraging families with any information to come forward. It's important for students as well as our parents to recognize we need to be truth tellers right now and we need to be honest. So, and people need to be held accountable with consequences or it's just going to happen again. Uh oh. <laughs> she sounds mad. Karen, mad? Karen is pissed. Now I was thinking about... Uh, what kind I... of a hipster asshole throws avocados all over the room? Come on. Yeah, seriously. Or maybe they hate hipsters and that's why they threw the the avocados. Eggs and avocados. Oh my God. But yeah, the flyer they showed said something about it being a mansion rager. 
with their address, and then it said BYOB, BYOW. Bring your own weed. Hey! So they just threw a raucous party in an abandoned mansion, essentially? A random house, yeah. I don't know how they would know that the people would be not home that night Mm. unless they have a strict routine. And he wasn't that far if he was able to, you know, get calls from the neighbors and drive right back. But he's got this mansion right outside of Austin, gated and everything. Oh. It's a, it's a, not really where I'd want my mansion. When the rich guys have their sense of security shattered, man, that's when we ought to do something about it. (laughs) All I could think of was, Oh, this guy is in Texas and he comes home and he doesn't fire off a gun or something to scare him. You know, shoot a kid in the cock. <laughs> I mean, send a fucking message. No, you don't fuck with my property. I'm, I'm not going to kill you because you're a kid, but I'm going to leave a fucking mark. Right? Well, I, I, I'm... So they ha- they got to have castle doctrine there. And he said he's got a two-year-old. I would, You could say you're scared for your life when you got a two-year-old involved. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Disappointing. Booby trap that place. You get a mansion. What are you doing with your money? Get a moat with some crocs or something. Get uh, ADT or something. Get, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of things they could have done to uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But you got got, and that's why uh, rich dudes have insurance is what I thought. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was only $10,000 in damages. I mean, come on. Yeah, come on. That's you got just, a mansion. You're just good part for of the it. cost of doing mansion business, you know, with mansion things. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Harfat sends out a good reminder in the chat. Austin isn't really Texas. That's why it was avocados. Yes, my bad. And that's why he didn't have a gun. It all makes so much more sense now. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, how fun would that be, a mansion rager? Uh, honestly? <laughs> I put myself there. I was like, oh, yeah. I'd be like, you know. And power in numbers. So Middle yeah. of the pack and arrival and first to leave. That'd be where I would Yes. Do yes, exactly. And I'm with you. We're carpooling. In fact, fuck it. We're just no on fuck bikes no. We're gonna walking. roll up on a four wheeler. Oh yeah. And we're gonna leave <laughs> via the woods, not the road. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe a street bike if we're going on the street. But yeah. Can't have your license plate revealed. Not in a fucking car. No, no, sir. Yeah, and everyone's got those stupid ring doorbell cameras. So yeah, yeah if you park, you're done. That's right. Ugh, imagine being yeah. the parents of a kid who parked their car. Sounds fun. Yeah. It's all fun until the cops show up. Our usual. And my final story for the lanes tonight comes from the guy who got the Guinness World Record for the longest tongue. Oh. His tongue is uh, 3.97 inches. But that's not the story. (laughs) He's putting that big muscle to work by painting with it. And he goes by Licasso. Oh, my God. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. I'm cereal. He already sold a painting for twelve hundred bucks. Lacasso. Yeah. Oh, that's just a nickname some folks gave him. But yeah, I mean, I was like, how does he paint with his tongue? Isn't that toxic? Well, he he does use like real paint paint. Sure. On a canvas, but he wraps his tongue in uh, like saran wrap. Ah, uh, like a tongue condom. Yeah, an oral dam. Dental dam. Dental dam. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Uh, it's you know. not right. <laughs> <laughs> Disturbing. Yeah, it uh, is. C-Dubs finds it uh, very fascinating in the bowl, in the bowl there. Yeah. He's interested. Almost four inches of tongue. 
Oh my god. Oh my. Imagine how deep that can go. Four inches deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not very imaginative at all. Oh man, well that was nice for a, for a Fat Tuesday. Yeah! Thanks, Bowlers, for hanging out. Bearing with a couple of cable issues. Got those solved, thank God. Yep. Fix it in post. Yeah, that's right. I have a little bit of editing to do. Uh, stick around if you want to hear that. Stream.bowlafterbowl.com. That's where we hang out for the post show, do uh, the production and all kinds of weird shit. Um, and that's where we are live every Tuesday. We'll also be live this Sunday, 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 after no agenda. Join us for an extra special Bowls with Buds. Dave Jones of Podcast Index fame. Uh, kind of the one-year retrospective on the live tag. Uh, and some getting to know you stuff as well. You know, we'll all be podcast talk. We'll ask him some other interesting, fun questions. The Pod Sage himself. That's right. Uh, Burning Sage with the Pod Sage. That'll be Sunday live right after No Agenda. Usually right around, you know, 420-ish Central Time. A. Hey. And of course, we will be back at it next Tuesday and every damn Tuesday on the calendar. So just mark them all, bowl after bowl. Uh, starting with some pre-stream tunes, usually right around 9 after DH Unplug wraps up on the No Agenda stream and at stream.bowlafterbowl.com, where you want to be. Uh, till then, you know I'm going to stay. Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. I'll be Dame DeLorean. Until next token, Tuesday bowlers are actually Sunday with Dave Jones. May your bowls burn ever brighter. Bowl after bowl. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. May your bowls burn ever brighter. Bowls and butts and bowls and bowls. Bowls and butts and bowls and bowls. Bowls and butts and bowls and bowls. What? What? I'm a supporter of human beings! Bing! 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 Dance and move your legs around. Yeah, you'd love it. It's just the way they talk that checks into it. I want my weed! You make weed look so uncool. Because I will be on top of it this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>